Thursday, July the 15th, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We are going to focus on Friday racing on this one with uh, an instant reaction to the NBA Finals Game 4 with Eric Etop 2-1 Sports. So we'll uh, we'll do some quick hits in sports. Then we spend about 40 minutes or so recapping everything that happened in a really good Game 4 that saw the Bucks tie up the NBA Finals two games to two. We're going to get to Saratoga Friday. Chase Sessoms, the Wolf of Oaklawn, joins me. We're going to go over the late pick five sequence for Friday Saratoga. And then Emily Gullickson joins me to talk opening day for Del Mar. I think we hit races 1, 5, 7, 8, 9, and 10. So we uh, we take uh, you through most of that card for opening day Friday for Del Mar. So you'll get Friday racing, nice focus on uh, the late pick five from Saratoga, the Del Mar um, the late pick four, and then we get a couple races earlier in the card, and then NBA, a, an instant reaction to game four that we just saw between the Bucks and the Suns, game four and out, tied up 2-2. Before we get into some of those specific segments with guests, we have a couple uh, quick hits in, in sports news that we want to get to you, but we have to let you know that this show is presented by Better than Vegas at BTV Bets on Twitter. Better than dot Vegas is the website where you can get free videos every single day to help you out with your handicapping, with your gambling. You can find uh, different gamblers from all around the world playing all sorts of different sports, just like Chase, who's going to be on in, in a, a little bit. He's uh, always posting videos and parlays and different games that he's playing over at Better Than Not Vegas. Eric, who's on the show uh, coming up in just a few minutes, he also has uh, started posting some plays over there. Free Check it out every day before you make your wagers. Maybe someone will help steer you in the right direction. They have a weekly showdown, which is a weekly contest. All you have to do is go post. If you're someone who plays sports, who who gambles, go post some of the plays that you have. Follow the instructions. And if you end up winning the week, if you have the highest ROI of everyone that posts, you get a couple hundred bucks. What's wrong with that? It doesn't cost you anything to enter, and you get some money. Better than Dot Vegas. Give them a follow on social media on Twitter at BTV Bets. Every single night on Twitter, they have polls to vote on um, that are uh, related to some of the games that are being played. And based on the polls, they'll put together a parlay or some sort of a wager. And if you are just retweeting the polls, voting in the polls, helping to share and helping to grow better than Vegas, they will give away parlay winnings they will give away the wagers to some of you out there just for following totally free better than dot vegas and because it's free all that content is brought to you by manscape.com when you use the promo code two idiots t-w-o-i-d-i-o-t-s it'll get you 20 percent off and free shipping on your order from manscaped.com check out that lawnmower 4.0 so uh a couple things in news to get to, uh, Bob Baffert, the New York suspension for Medina Spirit um, failed test was nullified by a federal judge. Just reading from an article here, uh, New York federal judge on Wednesday nullified the suspension of Baffert, uh, finding that New York Racing Association acted unconstitutionally by failing to let him adequately respond to claims made against him after Kentucky Derby winner Medina Spirit failed a post-reg drug test. Brooklyn Judge Carol Bagley uh, said in a post-suspension hearing that um, 
Baffert and Ray had a good relationship in the past. My hope is that he can get they can get to the point again overall for the good of horse racing. That was a quote from Baffert. Um, um, so yeah, she the judge concluded that Baffert had established a likelihood he will prove the suspension violated the due process clause of the Fourteenth Amendment. She also said. She said he also made a strong showing that there would be irreparable harm if the suspension was not overturned. She noted that the lawyers for the NYRA had argued um, the public has no interest in having the integrity of the sport enforced by unconstitutional means. So they said the Saratoga summer meet is a one-time opportunity given that many of the races are limited to horses of a certain age. An inability to compete in those races now means those horses will never have the chance. Yeah, gotta say, as a fan of horse racing, this disappoints me. Um, punishment, crime, move on. Um, I think if if you're, there's a being Trevor Bauer is being investigated right now by baseball, he's not playing. He's suspended. This happens in other sports and happens in other industries all the time. Um, yeah, not a fa- not a fan of the this decision here. Is uh, you know that that was one of the next uh, pieces of news. Trevor Bauer's administrative leave has been extended to July the twenty seventh. It pushes leave past a scheduled July twenty third court hearing for domestic violence restraining order filed by a woman in L.A. Uh, County Superior Court. Uh, so L- uh, MLB and the Pasadena Police Department are conducting separate investigations of uh, the very uh, intense uh, sexual encounters that happened uh, on May sixteenth in Pasadena. So there'll be more that we'll hear about this. Uh, the Dodgers canceled Trevor Bauer's bobblehead night. They removed merchandise from the stores. They did not feel it was appropriate during the investigation. Some other baseball news. So this was a, a kind of a strange story. The Angels oh, recently, you know, there was MLB All-Star Week. So we had home run derby, we had the uh, all-star game, and there was the MLB draft going on over the last week or so. The Angels had 20 draft picks. All 20 of them, they picked pitchers. That's crazy. The only other team to select all pitchers in the draft was the Marlins a year ago, but the draft was only five rounds due to COVID. They selected 19 college pitchers and a high school pitcher that they picked in the 12th round. Wow. Today was really targeting pitching. It's obvious. We took 20 pitchers. That was a strong focus for uh, today. Uh, there were so many valuable pitchers to bring into the organization. So they, uh, they're they emphasizing drafting pitching. They have not had great pitching uh, whatsoever the last few years. 506 ERA for the starting rotation. Just thought that was kind of funny. 20 picks, all 20 pitchers. We're going to get into our NBA Game 4 instant analysis recap reaction with Eric before we do we gotta let you know about cindycarava.com Cindy Carava full service realtor that's her website c-i-n-d-y-c-a-r-a-v-a.com as a full service realtor that means she can help you in many different ways buying selling leasing she can help just connect you to the right kind of people if you just maybe want to get in touch with uh, gardeners, landscapers, painters, um, folks that she's used in her own home. Maybe you need help with uh, a home loan. She can connect you with a lender that she's worked with and that she knows very well that can help get you approved. CindyCarava.com. That's the place to check out all the listings, everything that she's got going on. Um, if you want to get in contact with Cindy, 
That's the website. There are reviews about her on Yelp and Zillow. You can find more about her on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, CindyCarava.com, though. That's your uh, your one-stop shop for all the information. One of the kindest and most genuine people you will ever meet. Cindy Carava, full-service realtor. Let's get into NBA. We only have a few more games left in the season. Big thank you to Eric, who's been helping us out all year long as we get to uh, only one game to talk about. So we go uh, like overview of what happened in game four, and then we sort of go through the game, how it started, um, quarter, kind of quarter by quarter, how the game flipped, big plays, important things that happened throughout the game. You're going to get a full deep dive into game four, the NBA Finals with Eric. NBA. We have got ourselves a series in the NBA Finals 2-2 now as Game 4 goes to the Bucks. They come back late with a strong last couple minutes in the fourth quarter Middleton is huge Giannis excellent on the defensive end And even Drew Holiday who struggled a lot of the game Made uh, some really nice defensive plays Late in the game here Eric Etoff 2-1 Sports uh, Joins me as he has each and every week Here to talk NBA on that's what G said this was a very good game um, There were it was a Horribly officiated game but it Sort of it felt like a finals game It felt very a lot of intensity This felt like a we better win or this is our season kind of game for a Milwaukee team. It's had a lot of ups and downs over a couple years, but you know what? It doesn't matter how they got here. They got here and they're tied 2-2 right now in the NBA Finals. I mean, it was a great game. This is the first game all series where there's been a lead change in the second half. Mm -hmm. Um, Pfizer was flipping electric. I mean, place was great, but it was kind of like a weird game because Bucks started slow in the first, slow in the second, and Phoenix was just so like sloppy with the ball. We, and, I like, know. You kind of like, I was texting my buddy back and forth, and I'm like, dude, if they're if they are not able to extend this, Bucks are going to be able to BS their way to a win, and that's you know kind of what they did. It was poorly officiated. I mean, Crowder with some great flops, Booker fouled out like t- two times, and somehow it was still in the game. <laughs> but it was just. It was a crazy, it was a very poorly officiated game. And it was, it's funny, like, like we talked about USA basketball and I know we're not really talking about that. No, yeah. We, we, yeah. Last, we last, um, last time. And I was watching a little bit of the game yesterday and like the game is like officiated, like so yep. differently. Like yep. Booker had that play where he like jumped into Connington, got the three shots, got the, excuse me, they called it two because his foot was in, inside of the line. Kevin Love did the same thing, no call, and he looked at the official, and the official laughed at him. I mean, it's just, I don't know. The NBA game, it's like so, there's there's no medium. Like, the way they officiate no, during the regular so season. so extreme. You're right. completely different. And, I mean, like, I love physical basketball. But it's like, just let it be consistent on both ends. It, and, it hurts the players. We, You know what? We, yeah. we had a conversation sort of about this in the regular season because I watched some of those games where you're watching Harden or maybe Lilliard. It happens even with Embiid a little bit. It happens with uh, Chris Paul, you know? Um, guys, like, where it doesn't do them any good. It, it, you, they think it does, and and it sounds like people that are fans of theirs or whatever are going to sound like I'm like ripping on them, and I'm not. But what it does is it just makes them think they're going to get calls that they're not in, in other important situations. And so it, why do that? 
I don't understand why you do that. And so it, yeah, it was, um, it, it was something that's been, I think, apparent the last couple of years. And, and think about those particular players too. I'm not saying that it's this is the reason why all of those guys haven't won or a lot of them. But when you think about Harden, you think about uh, even Lillard, Embiid. Uh, and even CP3, there are a lot of the players that you think kind of really get the benefit of the doubt from from calls or or sort of into the like kind of baiting calls, you know, and get a lot of fouls called that other guys down low or when they go a little bigger usually don't get. Um, and maybe Embiid's like the least of this group because he is a, a little bigger, so he probably gets hacked a little more and he's just bigger. But he does flop. He does flop a little bit, so it it doesn't it doesn't help them any and. This has been a really bad stretch, uh, Eric, for CP3. He's had 15 turnovers now over his last three games. He had five more tonight. And this is just not only were they like, you know, Drew Holiday is playing some good defense on him, but his handle was just even when when there was nobody next to him, he was just really loose with it, really sloppy, loosey goosey, um, not taking care of the ball a little bit, just not really handling it like you would think. In a, a game for the NBA Finals with a chance to go up three games to one, but I mean, like that's pressure. I mean, you're right. Credit to but credit to but you know the series started out with Tucker on Paul, and he switched it, and now Holiday is there for the majority of the game. Holiday's picking him up full court, and he's like pressuring him. So when he does get an opening, Paul is feeling the pressure, and also like he's realizing shit, this is it. You know what I mean? Like if I don't win it this time, mm-hmm. I may not win it at all. You knock so, you back. This is the best you know, chance. He's making these little mistakes where he usually doesn't make, but you know, in a pressure situation like this, you kind of see like who rises and who doesn't rise. I mean, the shots Booker was making today, and I hope to God some people that listen to this followed. I told you guys whenever we recorded on Sunday, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, you guys take the over. You take did the points prop over. You did easily hit. Um. I hope some of you guys got it, but Booker was handling some insane shots. Middleton started the game awful. He had some clutch shots toward toward the end. Those guys really stepped up. I mean, it was for as like you said, for as poorly as officiated it was, it was an entertaining game. I mean, Crowder, yep. Crowder flopped, you know, and I pissed me off because I'm a Pucks fan and everything. But goddamn, dude, if there's one guy I want on my team, it's, it's MJ Crowder. It's I him, mean, and I and like it, him a little more than like. He he's the kind of guy that people like will say Patrick Beverly is, but I, give me the Jay Crowder guy because he does what you people want a Beverly guy to do. He can get in there and mix it up. He's bigger, he's scrappier, so he can really help guard multiple positions for you. And he can hit a three. He's better offensively. He can have he'll he'll, he'll streaky huff a couple games where he's just he won't hit anything, but he'll still play good defense. He'll still be tough. He's he'll mix it up. I, I like him a lot. He it's not a coincidence that he when when wherever like a lot of the teams that he's on are good and it's not like he leads the team, but what it does when you have a very solid role player like him that doesn't make a whole ton of money, it makes the rest of your team kind of easier to build around and it makes your margin for error a little bit. You have a little bit more because you kind of know you're gonna get one pretty solid piece. One that didn't cost you a whole lot, like a really nice veteran rotation player, and uh, that's what every team needs. And he's also not scared of the moment. You know not what I mean? Like he steps into those jump shots with a hundred percent confidence. Those are going in. Let's not forget, Mister Max, 
Max player himself, Ben Simmons, was scared to shoot a layup against the Hawks because he didn't want to get fouled. I mean, I I like Crowder immensely. Um, and it's it's amazing. I listened to a, some sound on the audio. And for those who don't know, I usually don't have the sound on when I watch the game. I mean, it's amazing, like, how much people praise Monte Williams. And, like, no one says anything about Bud. Like, Brooke Lopez barely played the second half. Made they some great adjustments. Just, you know, how they on Paul. Um going a lot more with the Middleton late um, the, the Giannis pick and roll, pick and roll. that yeah. was I deadly mean, like, you know he's made some key adjustments and all Mark Jackson is talking about is like Monty Williams this Monty Williams that and I mean it's just it's just one of those things like it comes back to what we talked about like narrative like the narrative after game two was at game three was book is awful now after this 40 point what's the narrative going to be the narrative with Bud is like he can't win it all you know, what's it going to be like if the Bucks do win? It's, it's crazy how stuff, like, just on a dime can just change in sports. Let's go through this game a little bit since this is the the only game we have. We can really uh, dive into it. So you, you said it, the the first quarter and the third quarter were similar in that Phoenix got out to a, a quick lead early. Uh, Phoenix was actually up nine points in the first quarter. They uh, They ended up – but the key was that at the end of the quarter, they were only up by three. And the Bucks shot eight of twenty-five from the field. They shot two of ten from three, and, and Phoenix, um, you know, it felt like Phoenix was shooting fifty percent. They were ten of their first twenty, but they had five turnovers, and it felt like they were up a lot more than they were. But they were only up three. And you look around, and it the Bucks had to feel great when they did not play well. They could have easily been down. Double digits right there, but those turnovers really helped keep them in the game. I think they ended up getting a couple fast break buckets uh, off of them, and um, it it you know it probably was what kept them within striking range to be able to make the run late in the game. And this is why live betting is like so good. Like if you're watching like the first like I'm looking at my notes right now, it's like Bucks defensive miscues in the pick and roll, a lot of open looks, a lot of open layups. Suns turnovers, Bucks could easily win this game. That's exactly what my notes say when I was jotting them down for this. So, like, that's why live betting is, like, so fun for me because you can find an edge because you know, like, stuff is going to break to a norm, break the other way if a team's not turning the ball over and the other team's sloppy with the ball. I mean, the Bucks were missing a lot of wide-open shots, but the Suns kind of shot themselves in the foot because they had a real chance in the first – First quarter to make a statement, get out, get up by 10, extend it Absolutely. by 10. Absolutely. Take, the, take the crowd out of it, you know, and Giannis, I don't know, like, what's going on with him. This is the second um, game in the row, like, two minutes, two and a half in, he's coming out for a little bit. Like, I don't know, like, what's going on with that. Um, yeah, I mean, I really thought as I'm ecstatic, the Bucks won, but Phoenix, Phoenix easily could have won this game if they could have controlled the ball and, you know, stepped on the Bucks' throat at the beginning of the first half and the second half. You mentioned the the Brook Lopez adjustment, and it was one of those things where uh, Brook Lopez got two fouls in the first quarter, so he came out to start the 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 second quarter, and that was when the Bucks started to play really well, and that was what Bud ended up realizing late when they were going well was hey. Let's go back to what, what and sometimes you kind of stumble into things, right? Like who knows if Brooke doesn't get into a, get a couple early fouls and come out of the game and then they they go on a stretch where he's playing better than then maybe they don't win or maybe Bud doesn't decide to do that later, but that ends up happening and uh, they the game is tied 33-33 with uh 6:50 left in the second quarter. 
Uh, Booker hits this tough turnaround jumper with less than two minutes to go in the first half, and we end up tied 52-52 at the half. And, you know, Phoenix, again, you look at they had to be probably pretty upset about what happened because they got 20 points in the half from Booker, but Chris Paul was just one of four. Only two points and four assists. Um, they were they were tied. Um, they were four of thirteen from, uh, from three as a team. But Milwaukee was only shooting forty one percent from the field, nineteen percent from three. They did get sixteen from Middleton in the first half. It's it was a carryover from the first quarter in that Phoenix still had opportunities again here to be up. Double digits, I mean six, eight points, something in that stretch Instead they go into the locker room at half tied And and it just keeps Milwaukee in the game, especially at home, right? You keep the fans in the game, it gives them life There weren't a whole lot of those like, you know, runs that put Milwaukee down by 15 points And it made them feel like they were they were out of it And that, that just gave them life I mean, they they didn't take the crowd out of the game And when you have when you're on the road in the playoffs, like that's what you have to do. And like something that also we need to remember is these are the most people these guys have played in front of in a year and a, a year plus. You know what I mean? Like this is completely different. And, and, and as intense for most of them ever, but you're right. Like it feels so different after not having played with people for so long. And now you're playing with this kind of intensity, with this kind of a crowd. Um, just a totally different atmosphere. But this was like another game. Like I'm, I, I watched the first two games in Phoenix. I thought they're young guys, Aiken and uh, Bridges, um, and Johnson. But I thought Johnson's played four like good games. But um, Aiken and uh, Bridges, those guys, like you know, Grant Aiken, I, he had over, I think he had 13, 14 rebounds. Yeah, but, he had um, of rebounds, but they were quiet, right? Like they, they just didn't really do anything. You know, yeah, what I mean? it was kind of like, quiet. They didn't play poorly, like on the defensive end or anything, but they were just sort of like they weren't either in in the flow of the offense. They weren't getting open shots. They weren't, you know, in the right necessarily the right spot for whatever it was. Or maybe and maybe it was just you know between Booker playing so well, they just the, the offense wasn't flowing their way. But yeah, you're right. Not, neither one of them really had. Monster games Bridges was 3 of 4 He had 7 points in 26 minutes Aiton was 3 of 9 He only had 6 points um, Neither one well, of them like, shot a the free throw The thing is, is like you look at You look at the Bucks Like for the a limited amount of time Jeff Teague played I noticed him I thought he played good in his 4 or 5 minute stretch You know I thought he played good defense Handled the ball Got players in the he position He didn't hurt them to be, Absolutely made, made a couple 3 throws Um Another adjustment Bud made. No more Brett Forbes, thank God. I love the kid. Went to Michigan State. Fellow Spartan as well, but thank God he's not on the court anymore because he's such a defensive liability. And he has to be so good offensively that if he's not shooting 50-plus percent, that he's he's just killing you. Oh, for sure. But, I mean, like, I guess my point is, is, like, with with Bridges and Aiken, like, even though they're on the court and Aiken had his stuff and everything, you didn't really notice him. Like, when the role players for the Bucks, Connington, who hit the big three after a Giannis block on um, Chris Paul to give the Bucks their first lead in the fourth, um, Bobby Portis. Like, you notice those guys on the court because they're making, like, the little plays that lead to something. You don't get that from Aiken and Bridges, at least that game. I mean, you got it from Johnson, that, that play where they ran him off the, uh, the double pick off the out-of-bounds. 
I mean, that kid's smooth, man. Cam Johnson is smooth as hell with that jump shot. The uh, game tied 52-52 at the half, and then Booker, who already had 20, he goes off. I believe he had 18 points in the quarter. He was 7 of 7 from the field. He ended up with 38 total points, um, and Phoenix was up 82-76. There was a stretch here that looked like it might have hurt uh, Milwaukee where Drew Holiday missed this wide open layup and then uh, Giannis missed one of two free throws so they left like three points on the board and then um, Connaughton had this foul late this is when the, the officiating really was getting poor it's sort of a ticky tack foul but it was late in the shot clock and they called it a, a foul on Connaughton and and um but you kept seeing CP3 really sloppy with the handle over and over, not smooth with his dribble, not protecting it whatsoever. And uh, with 10.50 left in the game, Devin Booker picked up his uh, fifth foul, and he went to the bench. And this is when it it gave Milwaukee the opportunity to really get themselves back in the game over the next uh, four four minutes or so. In the third quarter, to, like the Suns did a great job. They kept the lead the same. When Booker picked up his fourth, um, Milwaukee wasn't able to cut into it. But in the third, Milwaukee started running a lot more Middleton, Giannis pick and rolls. And then in the fourth quarter, when Booker picked up his fifth, that's when you know the run happened. And I mean, those defensive plays, like Giannis got that steal on Paul a block on Paul and that block on Aiken. I mean, for all those people that said he should have won the defensive player of the year a couple of years ago, I mean, the only player in the league that could probably do what he did in the fourth quarter with those blocks and those steals is a healthy 80. Yeah. I mean, it's like, the, the length that he insane. covered, he, he was, um, and I, I, I don't know if I retweeted it or I, I, I liked it. Maybe a, I maybe reposted it, but um, he was guarding the the ball handler on a pick and roll and he was went from guarding the passer watching the pass go over him he recovered in order to block a dunk from a very good offensive player in Aiton um that was like you're going to see that one replayed a lot that's going to be one of the all-time great uh defensive plays in the NBA finals and just plays in general especially if Milwaukee uh comes back um, as it was 89-86 with 7-10 left in the game. The Bucks missed a three-pointer, um, and uh, and they actually turned it into two free throws for Phoenix. Crowder made one of two. Um, Booker's foul trouble there, um, you know, so he wasn't around. It was 93-90. Phoenix was still up with six minutes left to go, and at this point, Middleton had 30. And with flash forward a couple minutes left, Still tight game. This was bad. With three minutes and 30 seconds left, Booker with a blatant foul on Drew Holiday. No call. Giannis was able to get the rebound on a putback and make the game 95-94. So they were down by one. Milwaukee with three minutes and 30 seconds. But this should have fouled Booker out of the game with 3.30 and given him free throws. Uh, instead, or no, it wouldn't have given him free throws. It would have just been ball out of bounds, but it would have taken Booker out of the game for sure. And I don't know how they didn't call this. I mean, it was bad. I mean, they, you got it. 
I get it. You want to keep your superstars. It was in, so it's a bad, blatant foul. And then so like, bad. there was that one where they got the three on one break and he fouled Middleton and they didn't call it. Like he legitimately had two times where he had this thing's foul and they just didn't call it, which is just absurd to me. I mean, Adam Silver had to be praying that he didn't hit a game winner. Yeah, that would have been brutal. I mean, that would have been an awful look for the league. Uh, terrible way to lose if that happened. But you know what? It didn't because Connaughton hit a big three-pointer to put up the Bucks. It put the Bucks up 97-95. And, and that came uh, right after a Giannis block. block a Giannis, Giannis block. block drove Kidditt to Connington for an open three. But that's what I'm talking about. That's what I like. Like, Connington, like, Crowder, those guys, that's a pressure He's situation. No. Those guys step in and shoot the ball. And, like, for, like, Connington, who's, like, the sixth guy, Crowder, who's, like, what, their fourth, fifth, fifth, fifth option on offense, that's what you want. You want a guy less Ready. than four, five to play. He has an open shot. He's going to step up with confidence, step into the jump shot, and have all the faith in the roar that he's going to make. I mean, both those two have no fear at all. Granted, like, Connington sometimes takes some boneheaded shots. But he shoots him with confidence, and he expects him to go in. And that's what you want. The last three thirty after that, uh, you know, uh, Booker should have been fouled, not Giannis. The Bucks overall, but Giannis and Drew played incredible defense. I mean, they were just hawking everything. Ball, hawk. they were so much pressure on, and every single player all down the court, every second. Chris Paul with a couple of bumbles. It was tough on Booker when they threw it in. He blocked it on Aiton. Like they were playing such, such tenacious defense there. And Booker hits this pull up to tie the game. So he's got 40 points. It's tied 97 97. You get a Drew Holiday miss. And then you get Giannis with the bad foul right after uh, Crowder gets the, the rebound. And then it gives Crowder free throws. He makes them both. So the Suns are up two with two minutes and 15 left. And then um, Giannis was doing a good job here. And in, in, he was doing a really good job. But he doesn't have to be a guy down the stretch. Um, you, you compared it to Anthony Davis. And that's what as I saw as a Laker fan when the Lakers won uh, the title. And when they win um, and when they play their best. It's because late in the game, Anthony Davis can impact two or three plays. And change the complexion and he can do it on both ends He'll do he'll do one of those where You get a block from him and then you'll get him Like a lob dunk to AD for You know or he can hit a turn he can hit He's a little he's obviously better offensively Like as far as his, his overall game offensively More polished than Giannis but Giannis he he was Doing defensively and Then facilitating Here which we don't normally love From him late in the game but he was kind of he was facilitating, and by that I mean he was getting the ball into other guys' hands in the right spot. He'd get it to Connaughton there, he'd get it to Middleton a couple times, and then screen and get out of the way. He was it. It didn't feel like oh Giannis isn't big enough for the moment. It was just like hey, I, I'm going to do everything I can to help my team win right now. Middleton's got a better opportunity and a better matchup, and then you got the ball into his hands late, and he hits a tough jump shot to tie it at 99. You get a Booker miss. Um, Giannis gets fouled again, but they're still uh, not in the bonus, and and he's not in the act. And we get another Middleton, just contested jumper off of a Giannis screen to put them up by two. These are the shots that we talked about with Middleton, um, you know, Eric, all year long and in the last couple of years. And he, 
yeah, he's not a top 10 player in the league and he will have some games where you can just say, yeah, you know, he had a bad game and he went missing. Uh, I don't know how many players you can find that don't have games like that. He will hit some big shots. He's not afraid of the moment. He's not afraid of a huge contested shot. He's not afraid with the clock ticking down with a hand in his face, uh, mid-range to three to a couple feet behind the three. He it was really, really impressive here late. I think he had a 10 consecutive point stretch from two minutes and seven seconds left to 13 seconds left in the game. He scored 10 straight for the Bucks. I mean, it was insane what he did. I really like. I will always believe that that game in the bubble when Giannis was hurt and Middleton carried him that victory over um, Miami, that gave him the confidence and showed him that he can be the man and hit the big shot in the moment and carry a team to victory. I mean, he's he could just make the tough shot. I mean, granted, he'll miss a lot and he'll disappear, but if you're a Bucks fan and the game's on the line, and you have someone taking a shot or the ball in their hands, that's who you want. Um, in terms of Giannis facilitating, it's what I say all the time. Like, how many times did I come in here and just say, like, when teams ran two at Tatum or two at um, Brown from the Celtics, those guys just forced. I mean, Giannis was getting doubled, and he was re- making the right basketball play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was get- people are making open jump shots. And that's what you want to see. You don't want to see – him forcing and him pressing and then everything starts going down downhill. He was making the right basketball play and it, it worked out for the Bucks. We got the it was 90, it was 101-99 and it looked like the game was about to be tied and Giannis he's guarding the pick and roll, a pass alley-oop made to Aiton over Giannis's head. Somehow he covers, turns around, blocks the shot. Incredible, incredible dunk uh, block by Giannis. You're going to see this play replayed. And then you got a Middleton miss jumper there. But Drew got a rebound. You got another Middleton miss. But CP3 loses the, the handle on the ball. And you get a Milwaukee fast break. Middleton with the layup. They go up by four, and that's basically the game with 27 seconds and that, left. He got fouled on a play by Booker, another Booker. And they didn't call it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I actually, the, the way that the play happened, too, because it, it happened really quickly, and then it immediately after they called a timeout, but it looked like it. I, I didn't even realize immediately they called a timeout. I thought it was just a stoppage because of the foul. It looked so, it was so, uh, so obvious that he fouled. It was like, oh, okay, he's going to go. And they came back, and I saw they took the ball out. Because I'm kind of like you. Sometimes I'll have it. I'll be kind of listening to a couple things, or I'll have something else on, and I won't necessarily. I'll have the sound on while I'm sound off while I'm watching, and I I didn't hear, and I I couldn't believe that there wasn't a foul. Yeah, like that one either. Mind boggling. Like I just I (laughs) I get it. Like don't get me wrong. Like I get it. You don't want to take the star out of the game. I get that and understand it. But these were like it's out of hand fouls. Like it was a ticky tack one, a fifty fifty one. I'm fine, but if that guy gets crazy and hits two threes late in the game, because he could as as much as anyone can get hit a couple shots late, like you cannot, you can't give him that kind of an opportunity over and over again, you know. No. And that would have that would have been a bad way to lose. Um, 
He missed a quick layup And then Giannis got a rebound He got fouled Middleton with 10 straight Over a less than 2 minute stretch of the game With Milwaukee's season on the line He finishes with a total of 40 points He also had uh, 6 rebounds 4 assists 2 steals We got 26 and 14 rebounds 8 assists 3 steals 2 blocks from Giannis Drew Holiday, who was only 4 of 20 from the field He was still a plus 8 in the box score In the plus minus And he played really good defense on Chris Paul He played really good defense down the stretch The big 3 for Milwaukee When a lot of the times Remember we would have gripes And a lot of people would say Why is Giannis and and you know Middleton and them Only playing 30 or 32 minutes 43 minutes from Giannis, Middleton, and Drew Holiday tonight 43 from all of them And you got a good 32 minutes from Pat Connaughton He was 3 of 7 from 3 He had 9 rebounds He had a, a couple offensive rebounds too Which was key, 3 offensive rebounds He also had an assist He was a plus 21 Plus minus I know plus minus isn't the most perfect stat you know, there's things that are hidden, but when you see something like that that stands out, it tells you that that player really, really played well and had a major impact on this game. A difference maker, like he hit, he hit that three that gave him the lead, the first lead they had forever off that Giannis drive with the pick and roll. Um, and that made it 97-95. And then in the third, when the Suns were on a roll, he hit another three. Like he hit two, like. Timely threes that helped the Bucks insane, and he played good defense and uh, like offensive rebounding because that was my worry when Divincenzo went got hurt. That was what he was really good at. Like Lopez goes back in defense, and Dante just crashes the boards, and Connington's fit into that role that Dante did really nicely. I mean, like he played great, but that's what I'm talking about. Like you notice Connington, I didn't notice Bridges tonight. And, like, that's what the series is going to come down to. Like, which one of those role players is going to step up and make plays? Cannot get the, – the thing about Phoenix is they're not very deep. Neither of these teams is really that deep. They're going eight deep. They're, they're going eight deep. Uh, they didn't play Forbes tonight. Uh, Kaminsky didn't play either. So these teams aren't going to go deeper than nine. And so you can't have – if you have two, three guys that have an off night, you're going to be in some trouble. You need them – they don't have to necessarily score a bunch every night, but they have to play good on the defensive end. They have to like be very impactful. It just felt like even Aiden, like you said, it was like a quiet 17 rebounds, which feels really weird to say. He also had five assists. It just he didn't feel like he played all that well. You only got a combined 13 total points from Bridges and from Aiden. And you know, you only got 10 total from Chris Paul. So from those three total, you only got 23 points. And you're, you know, I don't want to say you throw away, but you get a 42 point game from Booker in the in the NBA Finals. That's a game you think you're winning. I mean, for the Suns, the reality of the situation is you're not going to win a game, especially on the road in the NBA Finals, if Jay Jay Crowder. And I, don't get me wrong, I love Crowder. If Crowder's your second best player in the game, and he was. And it I wasn't. Mean, like, it's funny. Yeah. It wasn't even like a just scoring. Like he played really hard. He had eight rebounds, three assists, three steals, three blocks. He was. You're right. Like you just didn't notice Bridges and Aiton 
a whole lot in this game. You noticed Chris Paul for the wrong reason. Cam Johnson was was solid and Payne was fine. And he wasn't bad or anything. He was he was fine, but you just you end up getting you know forty Johnson minutes. Doesn't play enough. Like I yeah. said last time, like he only played twenty nine minutes, but in that twenty nine, four four six from the field, two of four from three. You know those are good numbers. And yeah. just like smart moving the ball well, he just seemed more impactful out there tonight than Bridges did, um, who's played really well through a lot of the playoffs. But we uh, we are now tied up. Two games to two So hey at the very least We get a couple more uh, NBA games For for guys like us who are NBA fans uh, Who love this At least we know we're guaranteed A couple more games now Because we're tied 2-2 And uh, I didn't So uh, is game 5 Friday? Is that right? It's Saturday night Saturday Uh, night Line is out Bucks are plus 4 Over under 218 and a half Okay, and that's going to be Saturday night So that's good, they spread the games out a little bit Give them a couple more days um, uh, Off now to everybody to rest And heal, and uh, and hopefully we can have a, Another really good game, this was a contentious game It was entertaining down the stretch And the Bucks win 109-103 You know, it was uh, Tied most of this game They're down, you know, they're down in the 5 to 10-ish range um, And even late, you know, they're they're down a few and it's ninety nine ninety nine. You still don't feel great about, you know, the Bucks trying to cover this game, yet they're able to uh to pull this one out late. You know what? It, for me, it was great. Like I uh what I have I had Booker over, Middleton over, and Suns minus the four worked out great for me. Took the Suns or live. the Bucks. Bucks, right? Or the Bucks, yeah, yeah. Sorry, took the Bucks uh first half live plus one sixty that pushed. Game worked out great for me, but that's the thing. Like when you're like are engaged and watching the game, and you said it earlier, like this whole game, like if you're just watching it, you feel it. It feel like the Suns should be up by twenty, but it's only a couple point game, and they're not putting them away. And Pfizer's rocket. You could see this coming. Mm-hmm. Like you could just see it coming. Like it, it was just yeah. It's funny because I it's. For the for a sport, um, it you it basketball it, you can just tell too. Like you said, you can feel it. Baseball has like the most variables of any freaking sport, but sometimes it is the most predictable. It's like if a team that you are rooting for or you bet on has the bases loaded, nobody out, and they don't score, you can go right then and in play that the other team is going to score a run in the next inning. It's automatic. Yeah. For sure. It's like on the first guy up is going to either get a base hit, a, like a double off the wall, and more times than not, it's like the first pitch home run. Yeah. And you just look and you just start shaking your head, and you go, "I knew that was going to happen. I knew it. It was. It's so simple. And it, in baseball, there's so many variables. You you would think that you know what are the odds, but you get you you will get really good odds. So check it out in baseball if you're watching your team and they or you're you're betting on teams and you feel like they keep blowing opportunities. I see it with the Dodgers a lot because is they're good. They're very good. But when they lose, uh, they they walk a lot. They get a lot of guys on base. So whenever they lose, they'll always have left. Eight or ten or just absurd amounts of people on base, and I can just tell every time they're going to come back the next inning and they're going to get down. Yeah, it's just... You, can just, you can just see it coming, and it's so, <laughs> so, so frustrating. Like you're just like, okay, this... two run inning coming. Like I know exactly what you mean. This game had the feel of that though. 
all game watching it just like you said it you're watching and you're going oh phoenix like if if i didn't look at the score by the vibe and the kind of the feel and like the the way it, it's sort of like you got the sense that they were down by you know milwaukee was down by 15 ish when it was really more like five because they weren't playing very well but phoenix wasn't playing all that great either it really it was just booker playing well you know the rest of Phoenix, when you're not getting great games from Paul, it was Booker and Crowder. Crowder played well. Cam was fine. But when you're not getting th- like three of their starting major key players aren't playing very well, um, the the Bucks kind of out effort them because Drew Holiday didn't play great, but he made plays down the stretch. Yeah, and I mean, it's, you're not going to win an NBA Finals game if you commit 17 turnovers. And I yeah. mean, if you just look at the box score. And if I just told you, Suns outshot the Bucks fifty-one percent to forty percent, outshot them for threes thirty percent to twenty-four percent. You know, you would think who would have won, the Suns. But I mean, those seventeen turnovers, you know, just killed them. And also, the Bucks outshot them by um, had ten more attempts them at the three throw line. But here's the thing: like Phoenix settles for way too many jump shots. The Bucks take the ball to the rim, and especially with Giannis driving all the time, that's how you're going to get three throws. So you know what I mean? Like, I listened to that clip that Monty mm-hmm. Williams said after um after we talked. He was talking about ball movement and jump shots, but then he talked about, oh, but we need to get more calls and get to the three throw line. Well, if you're suddenly for jump shots, you're not going to be You're not going to get it. It doesn't make yeah. sense. You got to take the ball, like, to the rim. It just so, didn't add up. Yeah. Yeah. This, but, uh... Yeah, I mean, like, I cannot wait for game five. I really Me think too. how I think there's going to be, I don't even know how the line's going to move, but I, my guess would be money would come in on the Suns. That would be my guess. So I would kind of wait for that. If I can get the Suns, I hate the number four. So in this situation, if I can get the Suns at minus three and a half, minus three, I look to that. If Bucks money comes in, if. It's the other way, and I get the bucks at a plus five. I'll look to take that. So I'm kind of in a holding pattern right now. In the now. middle, see yeah. where it moves. I mean, I took the bucks plus four after it went from four and a half down to four, and then it closed at five today. It's at 218 now. Um, I've you and I have talked about this before. I hate playing game unders, but I love playing first half unders just because. You have the fouls at the end and stuff. You know what I mean? Funky stuff can happen. Yep. If I cap the game at the under, I'm going to play the first half under. Um, This is going to be a game five. People are going to play tight. I mean, if I can get like a 106, 105 and a half, I'm going to be on the under. For the Eric, E-Top 2-1 Sports with um, some great information like always. Uh, when we talk uh, next week, we will probably have at least one uh, or uh, depending on when, maybe two games uh, uh, to to talk about. We'll we'll see. Maybe we'll we'll come out. We'll go after uh, um, before uh, the you know what happens in the next game. We'll uh, we'll come back on. But when we do talk again next time, we can go over uh, our full squads for fantasy. Uh, we just finished up with the league. We can kind of give our our thoughts on the 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 final fantasy uh, teams that we did in our uh, our long standing draft, and maybe give uh you know take a few days to reflect on your team, see if you think you have any uh. Uh, you know some of the weaknesses or maybe some of the strengths of your team. I'll kind of do the same. We can kind of reflect on uh, on what we've drafted and give everyone uh, a look at our our, our full teams uh, a little next week if you're down for that. Yeah, I'm down. All I know is I'm doing a backflip because I got as crazy as it sounds. I got Carson Wentz, and I think he's gonna ball out this year. 
Yeah, he's in he's in a great opportunity, and you you didn't have to. If he's not, he doesn't play well. Then he wasn't like you wasted really high draft capital or anything, right? I mean, I got him in the. I got him in the twelfth round. So yeah, I mean, like, perfect. Perfect. But then again, if he shits the bed, I have Justin Fields, so God only knows what I'm going to get with him. So it's yeah. kind of like make or break for me with those guys. So and if if we're like quarterback is one of the positions where the very least, like if you have just someone serviceable, you'll be okay. You're pretty stacked with a lot of uh, solid uh, skill position players too, so you could be in good shape if you needed to make a trade or something like that. Um, Oh yeah, we're getting here. NFL season coming up soon too. We're starting to talk strategy. We're uh, just finished up with one uh, of our fantasy drafts, and we'll talk more about that with you next week, Eric. Uh, before we let you go, what will you have coming up over uh, over the weekend and in the next few days? Um. Well, today I every Wednesday I do my little Wednesday winner to a guy that will help you win a fantasy football title. Today's guy was Carson Wentz. Um podcast i'm going to talk a little ufc um i went to arlington last weekend i'm going to talk about that and like the weird stuff going on there and uh i'll probably talk about greg uh greg popovich like i think pop is under a lot of pressure for this team usa thing because when you look at it he was the assistant coach in the team that got the bronze the head coach in the world last year where they finished seventh, seventh or a couple and years now ago. He was zero and two to start. He he was zero and two, but they won yeah. the days. So it's like, I think Pop's kind of uh, under the heat a little bit. Somebody was posting his like overall career winning percentage in the NBA, and then his overall in the FIBA stuff, and it was just not. You know, it was funny. You would think it would be like the other way around, but it was better overall the NBA. Um, and uh, big news, like they like Beal's in protocol right now. So I don't even know yeah. if he's going to be able to go. So yeah, and, and the the series, the series now seven, we know like, it's going to get extended yeah. at least another little bit because yeah, tonight you know Phoenix would have gone up three one they could at least close it out next and we know it's going at least a couple more games so. But I yeah, mean, like Olympics with are the coming USA, soon. I heard like a comment like these guys like for the USA like 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 the three guys Middleton, Holiday, and um, oh my God, Booker, like. As much as they'd like to represent Team USA, don't get me wrong. How are you going to do this? They they don't look at it like Lucas said. I would rather win a gold medal than win an NBA title. And his team is like throwing like water and everything on him. Like, is any is Booker going to say that? Is Billiton going to say that? You know what? They're not going to say that. Do they you know get I mean? the like, same yeah. oomph to go play? Yeah. So I it wouldn't be surprise me if like those guys actually bail and like Garland. Bay and somebody else from the uh, the the practice squad takes their spot. I'd be really and, shocked. And uh, Cy Eric Scott uh, started posting some plays over at Better Than Dot Vegas. Had a nice uh, winner uh, uh, with the first one. Got up on the board uh, in a positive look on the weekly showdown. So if you if you follow or if you're someone who's been paying attention um, and watching uh, the website Better Than Dot Vegas with all those videos, um, make sure to give a look to Eric when he posts and give a subscribe to his channel on there. That way, if he, if he posts any videos, you'll get an alert right away. So a uh, nice job on that one, buddy. Thanks, man. You know, I love betting draws and soccer. That's kind of like my, my fix, if you will. Yep. Should I it's a one? sick thing. Nobody wants to root for that. And you do, right? That's a, you got to find the things that nobody wants to root for and bet them. Cause they're just going to be a little overvalued. Today's was Trinidad and I bet Trinidad and El Salvador value at plus two ten. and son of a bitch. Trinidad had, 
like two chances inside the box to tie it up late in the second and miss both. And then El Salvador got a late goal, but you know, I'll dive into some gold cup tomorrow and find something I like, you know, it's, I don't know. Like I, it's kind of weird. Like there's no baseball, there's one game tomorrow, but like, there's always stuff to bet on. You can just dive in and like, if you're willing to do the work, like you can find value and make money, but you just have to be willing to like, do the work, work at it. Yeah. Exactly. Work at it and grind in. Got to put the uh, time in. Plus, like, there's a big. Uh, I'll definitely be looking at that big woodbine. Isn't there a pick yep, six? There's carryover a mandatory tomorrow? pick six yeah. carryover on Thursday. I went over that yeah. sequence on the on the show earlier. Saratoga opens on Thursday. Del Mar opens on Friday. Uh, Monmouth uh, has the Haskell on Saturday, and then all three of those cards uh, will have big ones. Some cool racing from Colonial Downs opens up next week on Monday. They have some really fun turf racing there too. So. A lot of good racing coming up. Uh, fun time. Arlington, Arlington million, Millions Preview Day on Saturday. I'll be, I'll yeah. be there at the park. So. There you go. Another huge, yeah. Huge races all over the place. Eric, give him a follow. Etop21 Sports. A big thank you again, buddy, for helping us out. Uh, good luck all weekend long. And uh, I'll talk to you, and we'll uh, get you back here early next week. All right. Sounds good, man. We'll talk. That's Eric Etop21 Sports. Give him a follow. Don't go anywhere, folks. We're going to make the move on over and start talking some horse racing here on That's What She Said. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap, past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF pass performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic pass performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF pass performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com 
Thank you to Eric for helping us out again, uh, as always, with uh, all the great analysis as we make the transition from the NBA on over to horse racing. And we get you set up for some really big stable duel contests coming up over the next few days on Thursday. You've got options at Delaware, Woodbine, Emerald, and Thistledown. A couple different contests at Delaware, a Woodbine $10 game, the $5 Emerald BTV Pot of Gold contest, and a Thistledown $50 winner take all. That's on Thursday. Remember, daily horse racing games. It's a free app. All you do is you pay the entry fee for the contest that you want to get in. Winners for every contest, just like uh, you'd play in you know, DraftKings or, or FanDuel where you play in a big contest against a bunch of others. It's a salary cap-based format. I have a video on my YouTube uh, that I just posted explaining exactly and showing you exactly how to play Stable Duel. I'll, uh, I'll post it all over uh, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram also over the next few days. So that's that's your Thursday schedule. For Friday, you've got Delmar opening up. There's a $100 game, and it's a $10,000 pool. There's also a $500 double up at Delmar. Uh, you've got Ellis Park, Gulfstream, Pimlico, and Woodbine with games. Then on Saturday, Ellis, Gulfstream. There's the Haskell game brought to you by Manscaped.com at Monmouth. $75 entry, $7,500 in cash prizes. You've got the Monmouth uh, smaller game for 10 bucks on Haskell Day. You've got the LoneSpeed.com Delmar $100 game, $10,000 in cash prizes. They've also got a $5 game and a $500 game. As you can see, major focus at Delmar and we are going to be playing a lot of those Delmar stable duel games. On Sunday, Delmar has a double up. They've got a $50 game and a $10 contest. There's a, a Gulfstream $10 game, an Ellis game, and an Emerald Downs $5 game. Those are all your Sunday games. And we will be hosting a live stream on Friday, 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. 12 noon Pacific time, and we'll go for about an hour or so, and that will be a stable dual live stream talking all about the Delmar races, who we should play in our stable dual lineups, how we're building our lineups. We'll go from about uh, yeah 3 Eastern to about 4 Eastern, as uh, Delmar first post is at 5 o'clock Eastern time, and then I'm actually going to be doing uh, some work on Santa Anita's uh, YouTube channel and their Twitter feed as uh, we're going to preview the Del Mar Friday card over at Santa Anita too. I believe I'll be joining uh, George Ortizar and Chappie. So uh, keep an eye out for that on social media as we get you set for Saratoga and the Late Pick 5. This is a fun conversation. So Chase joins me for the first time. If you followed on social media, the Wolf of Oaklawn, you know Chase Chase Sessoms, and he's a good handicapper. He's had a really good couple weeks uh, handicapping and gambling on on baseball games and and soccer stuff, and putting out some incredible parlays. We talk about that and some of the work he's been doing over uh, at Better Than Dot Vegas with a lot of those uh, posted plays and uh, how he got into horse racing. And then we get into the pick five sequence for Friday for Saratoga. We go races six, seven, eight, nine. Nine and ten, we spend overall about uh yeah forty five minutes or so, and uh, I'd say yeah close to about forty minutes or so talking to you uh, about the uh, the Saratoga sequence. So 
Enjoy this conversation with Chase, a little Saratoga Friday Late Pick 5. It is Saratoga time, so you know we're going to be building the coverage here on That's What G Said. We got a first-timer joining us, someone who I've had a lot of fun getting to know over the last few weeks. He's a a That's What G Said virgin, I guess we could say. Uh, Chase Sessoms, you know him online as the Wolf of Oaklawn. You've been seeing him blowing up the tote board lately over at Better Than Dot Vegas with parlay after parlay. Very sharp handicapper, really funny guy. Chase joins me to talk a little Saratoga Friday. Chase, how you doing, buddy? Man, pretty good, Gino. Thanks for having me. You doing all right today? Oh, yeah. And uh, thank you for doing this early. Uh, Chase is helping me out by uh, recording a little early. I always like to get the shows out as early as possible for all of you listeners out there. Give you at least an hour, uh, a day, maybe 24 to 48 hours if possible to try to uh, – you know, do you get your handicapping in and maybe we can lead you to a horse or two or a way to play um, your uh, your pick five approach the uh, the sequence. So Chase will help us out with that. And we're recording this on Wednesday. So, um, you know, things can change a little bit. We don't really exactly know what the weather is going to be like. And it's been a little rainy over there. So that's always something to uh, to keep in mind uh, when, when we're doing our handicapping. Uh, before we get into specifics, though, about the sequence, Chase, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us, uh, you know, how. How do you get into uh, horse racing, and what are some of the things that you're doing? Uh, I've I've really noticed you over the last year or so um, on on social media, and I've I've started following you and uh, and listening to you on some of the live streams, and you you do a really good job. I I love your presentation. You uh, you obviously have fun with what you're doing, but you you put in the work too. So that's kind of how I try to do it. You know, you you want to have fun doing it, but you got to make sure you're putting in the work that makes it fun when you're winning. Oh yeah, I mean I mean. You have to have fun, but then I think you also really have to treat it like a business. Like if you expect to make money out of out of handicapping, uh, you know, horses or anything for that matter, you you have to you know put in the work and treat it like a business. So for example, today, uh, with it being the day before the opening meet, uh, I have not slept in the last twenty four hours because I'm just. You know, checking the uh, the weather underground app over and over again and trying to figure out you know if there's going to be any cut in the turf on Thursday and Friday <laughs> and um, but yeah, um, I've been handicapping I, I probably like six seven years now. Um, I the the way I got started was like no one necessarily kind of brought me into this. My mom wanted to go to Oakland for her for her birthday, and uh, I knew that me being like a just a crazy ADHD person. If I was just putting money through the window without any sort of rhyme or reason, I was going to drive myself absolutely insane trying to solve that puzzle. Yep. So I set set out to t- teach myself how to handicap. And like, I've just been absolutely enamored with it ever since. Nice. That's so cool. Yeah. So many people are just uh, kind of, you know, pushed into it, nudged, taken by family, friends, mom, dad, like you said, or um, you get, you know, you get introduced more to it. You just seemed like it was something that you went, you kind of got interested in. And I, I kind of, um, yeah, like when, when, whenever there's something that a subject to approach, it's a good way to approach it. Or, uh, a, you know, you're going to go somewhere for the first time. You don't want to go and make a fool out of yourself, right? You're going to check into it. You're going to learn, you're going to research, you're going to check it out. And one when doing so you stumbled upon this world that, uh, that just seems to fit you. It, it really does. You're a numbers guy too. And, and when we've talked over the last couple of weeks about, you know, playing baseball and stuff, it's like horse racing is a really great 
game for you as someone who um you know you can use a little bit of a, a lot you can use numbers and systems you can build models but then you got to also combine it with your eyes very similar to kind of you know how things we, we're talking about baseball right now because that's the season the sport and season but you know nowadays a lot of people want to use analytics but you also got to make sure you're kind of using the eye test too it's always that uh that tightrope walk you're doing when you're handicapping the races you know it's funny uh Whenever I started handicapping in my in my previous life, I was a, a business analyst for a for a distribution company, and like what I did all day was was build like analytical tools and everything. And that's exactly how I started out with my approach. Was I found this uh, website with you know talking about you know what to analyze, what figures to analyze. And I put a spreadsheet together, and I did pretty well. And then it, over time, I would just I I dumped the spreadsheet because it. You were able to hit the obvious, but you were going to miss the stuff that was that was really, you know, that you had to dig for and uh, to try to find. And so from there, I, I kind of went from being like this analytics guy to like straight into pretty, you know, pretty traditional handicapper. Like I I, I don't get into the new fancy products like I, I've got my sauce. I don't like mixing sauces, as I like sure. to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, and, uh, you know, that's for me. I'm I'm a replay guy. I'm a charts guy. Like most of the stuff uh, for me, it, it's pretty basic, but it's 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 just work, you know. And I'm not I'm not one who's ever like you said. And you can't be in this game if you want to take it seriously. If or hey, you can't if you're not an everyday player, but you want this this day to be serious. You got to put the work in that day a little bit more. Does that mean you're going to win? No, but I think I always equated it to studying for a test. Right when you were in class like you study Really hard you get as prepared as you can Does that mean you're going to get an A on everything No because sometimes the subject or the topic Just may not be exactly up to your You know your uh, your expertise But you were as Prepared as possible you're going to put yourself In a position I think that's what they say about uh, About luck right uh, opportunity Meets preparation putting yourself uh, in the right Spot that's right something about preventing Piss poor performance performance I think <laughs> Yeah exactly Exactly yeah. So you got a lot of stuff going on right now. Tell us about some of the projects that you're working on. I see you on some of the live streams, and um, you know your your uh, moniker on Twitter, your uh, your handle, the Wolf of Oaklawn. You're someone who's uh, done done a really good job there. But you do handicapping for um, uh, other tracks too on like a daily basis. Yeah. Um, so in terms of streams, I, I, I'm doing. Uh, I have some friends that I actually started doing the streams with. Uh, we are, you know, handicapped together, and we've been doing it, you know, for years through Discord. That's that's uh, on the wrong lead. Uh, I'm a uh, what are these? How, what's the best way to put this? A damn dirty tout. Uh, and I make, <laughs> I make my. Uh, I have a tip sheet. That, you know, I have a website, JustPickWinners.net, which uh, uh, there's. Some some big changes coming on with that. I can't really talk about right now, but uh, don't don't go rushing to the site just yet because uh, there might be an update to it. But um, yeah, uh, I do that. I've got the on on the wrong lead uh, stream with uh, with my boys from Discord, and then uh, you know the uh, the gymnasium with our boy XFL Gym, which is where I let my let my hair down. That's my uh, fun my spirit show. animal, my spirit you, animal XFL Gym. You guys had a Freaking week um, And we're going to get into Saratoga in just a minute uh, Before we do we got to give you some props because uh, there's a, a cool website out there if you're uh, if you're a sports handicapper and and there's some horse racing stuff on there sometimes too uh, you post some some racing stuff I'll do some stable stuff remodel post some stuff on there too but uh, if you're into 
betting any sports. You know, right now there's a lot of baseball, there's some tennis, there's any you know soccer stuff that's going on. I'm sure it's gonna be, it's gonna really ramp up with football coming soon. Better than Don Vegas is a website where all handicappers, gamblers post videos with whatever their plays are for the day, and there's a, a contest every week that the the website will do. They'll tabulate all the results. All you have to do is post a video. A couple videos. I think you need three plays throughout the week, and then you you qualify. Whoever wins has the best, you know, ROI. You'll see yourself move up on the standings. This insane guy Chase that I'm talking to here hit <laughs> some parlays over the last couple of weeks that were out of their mind. So g- give us a little bit of the recap of like some of the big ones you hit over the last couple of weeks. Oh man. Um. So I'm I've mainly been playing Major League Baseball and on the. Uh, I stick to the money line. Uh, the way the way that I look at at baseball, I you know it's not really like a a run total sort of thing. It's more mm-hmm. of just I, I'm I'm looking at opportunities for teams to win and opportunities sure. where teams should lose and when they're being you know overvalued and probably are due for a loss or statistically they're probably due for a loss or sure. you know where they're being underbet and they're statistically probably due for a win and that's that's kind of how I've been doing it and I I feel you know I hear people I, I hear Gina like you Gina or like a just a statistician of of epic proportions. I hear hear the stats from you, and like I feel like a just a dumb dumb person. It's, because no, it's the same. It's the same thing, though. You know what I mean? Like they're like I'm looking at a, a lot of the things to come to the conclusion that you're coming to, right? Right. And we're it's it's just like in racing, like it's a little some it's a little numbers, it's a little bit of watching some games and just kind of you know paying attention to something and going ah oh, remember I remember this the last time this pitcher pitched right, and then you go dig in the numbers and you go oh okay. Yeah, you know what? He he got unlucky last time, or you know he got really lucky. He walked a ton of batters. He got like three double plays in a row. You know, it's to start you start combining the things a little bit, you know. And, and um, so I, yeah, I, I, the last week I had a little bit of a bad stretch. I was chasing a couple crazy guys that were playing parlay, so I ended up uh, you know going, <laughs> going nuts doing so. So I'm blaming I'm blaming on you guys, but I've had a good. Uh, it's probably been about two months now since I've been posting stuff over at Better Than uh, Vegas, and I, I've done pretty well uh, most weeks. It's just a lot of similarities like you, not ever looking to play absurdly heavy chalk, you know, always trying to find the best value if the numbers moved in my direction. I'm I'm always liking that. Like you said, you're you're sniffing out reasons to bet against the heavy favorites right off the bat more than, oh, here's just an automatic winner. Um, And, and you've done a good job of with when you've set up the parlays and stuff like that of you know combining some nice solid underdogs with one or two favorites but not like an overwhelming minus 300 favorite that's going to kill your parlay or really even just like give you a bad taste in your mouth for for playing you know kind right. of for like including <laughs> and you know what's what I've kind of figured out is cuz what I'll end up doing is I'll I'll take I'll find out like what are my like key plays, my like my two two or three key games that I want to use, and I'll I'll usually end up just kind of stacking them into multiple parlays, and I, I kind of almost kind of feel like that that comes from the horse racing background in terms of like kind of you know horizontal ticket construction kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So last Sunday I managed to to hit you know I think on on one you know BTV play it, it was I think three different parlays that put me up. Uh, 34 units for the week and uh i i can't even remember what the one that hit that put me in the garage civil war was but i i managed to four ish i think i, I think, think so was, yeah, yeah it was like plus 2400 so we're talking about in within a a week span or within like a four day span three or four day span yeah 
he had and, a plus 34 day and like a plus 25 day. <laughs> the, the weird thing was, and it was like, I, I went cold with baseball towards the end of the week. I, I, it was Italy going to penalty kicks and winning yes. it there that actually brought it home. That's it's so uh, great. Oh. I, I just, I, I've my dad was the co-owner of a soccer team here in Arkansas in the mid nineties. You can imagine how well that went, but uh, we uh, so grew up around it. And like, I'm, I'm thinking back to like 94. I'm like, man, like if, if Italy goes to a international tournament and makes the finals, they're going to go to penalty kicks. That's just how they do it. So do it. I, I, I lucked out and uh, got a little help from England. Oh, that's great. That's great. My, um, uh, my uncle, is a cop um he was a cop he's retired now and he worked in arcadia and when they were playing out here um in uh, in the the world cup it was he, they were a lot of the players and teams would be staying at hotels in the area they were playing in uh, the rose bowl which is about 15 minutes away from where i grew up so one of the the teams uh he actually was a security guard for the romanian team um he had to like be security for the hotel and then kind of like help escort them around and do a lot of stuff for them he was kind of assigned them with a couple other people so it was kind of cool he was a he was around i got a like a ball signed by a couple different teams i still remember from when they came out here from way back then too yeah. That Romanian team actually made some noise in '94 too. I they remember did. that. Yeah, they were in the semis, uh, I believe. Yeah, I think they were they were a Final Four team um, and ended up playing in that. I think their fourth game, and I believe that was the story. If I'm not mistaken, I got to check where, where the player missed the kick and he ended up. Um, I think killing himself afterwards later or like he ended up being in, involved in like a weird scandal so um i gotta i'll check my facts on that completely but i, I think that was the the one uh, if not mistaken uh crazy we, we remember crazy the tangents us uh, degenerate gamblers will get on and, uh, and start talking about when we go from sport to sport to sport but man it's been a lot of fun in just a few weeks um seeing you uh you really succeeding over there and uh, and having some facts and uh, and back and forth with you uh, on social media so i look forward to that continuing and uh we look forward to making some money for those of you out there who are listening let's get to saratoga for friday let's take a look at those past performances we're going to flip to race number six we're going to look at the late pick five sequence so uh chase we kick things off here with uh, new york breads we've got a, a, a good size field here and we're going to be going five and a half furlongs on the main track so you know, you're going to get a chad brown first time starter who's going to take some money uh you've got a, a kelly breen second time starter who just missed uh in her debut uh can't hurry love missed a break and then came running those will be horses that will likely take a, a lot of support in here but still other directions to go in a, in a race like this how are you looking to start this pick five uh to probably buy this race quite honestly but uh now I, I i really like uh the two let her inspire you the todd pletcher horse um that's a by practical joke uh it's got a it's out of a spitestown mare so you know it's got a little bit of a, a little bit of sprint in the pedigree uh pretty sharp workout on july 10th i'm a little bit wary of that kind of inside post draw but johnny v's been riding really well uh you mentioned some of the other ones uh well the one rigby i i'm not a fan of of horses first timers starting actually on the rail so I, i'm gonna fade that horse I think I'm probably going to stick to like let her inspire you. Uh, can't hurry love who I, I big thing with me with maidens is horses that have actually passed other horses before. Yep. Um, it, it, it might be that stumbling out of the gate actually did this horse a favor development wise um, mm-hmm. because and now you've got, you know, Rosario board who who will undoubtedly take this horse back and try to, you know, close from about 15 lengths off. Um uh, tough Street, the Chad Brown with once again you got Spitzer with the, you know Spitztown pedigree. Um, 
they'll just run on anything and they'll run fast in a short, you know, over a short distance. And uh, yeah, November rain. You, I, this is one where I think you could get a surprise. Uh, I, you know, during this time of year, I really, I, and only this time of year, I really get into the DF DRF uh, workout reports mm-hmm. and uh, I haven't quite seen them yet to see if there's anybody outside of, of those uh, four uh, let her inspire you can't hurry love tough street and uh, November rain that I, that I need to uh, consider. Um, I do almost want to consider uh, the eight uh, just because the, the name is so clever. Got do by uncaptured a nice little Shawshank redemption. Andy uh, Dufresne walked a mile. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the horse that I, I I'm going to mention and um, can't hurry love absolutely for me. November rain absolutely. Um, you know, tough street. I'll flop in, and I'm not. I'm just not quite as hot. Like there's nothing really like monster about her pedigree. She looks fine, and she just wouldn't shock for for obvious like connections. The horse who I'm definitely throwing in, and I'm really intrigued by, is succulent. So Succulent is a first-time starter. She's a two-year-old daughter of Candy Ride. The damn ouchie night was a four-time winner. All four wins came on the main track. She actually won her debut, and she was multiple stakes placed. And she's produced three other foals to race. Two of them won. Both won their debut. The third of them didn't win but has only raced twice and was second in the debut. So the damn won the debut. Both foals that won won the debut, and the one that didn't was a runner-up in the debut. They have shown a lot of precocity here. This barn, you know, you don't think of as like a, a monster barn with first-time starters, and they're not a barn that has a, a ton of numbers like others, but they're four for their last 28 with first-time starters. When you look at, you know, you mentioned DRF, the, the DRF formulator stats, you can get you know, like the last five years sample size uh, with first-time starters. They won with the horse last year at Belmont at 68-1. to one. And this is the type of barn that is capable, and they're never going to be bet. They're never going to be bet heavy. You only need to win with a few of them in order to, you know, to get a little. So you've got a a solid pedigree for a horse that's got some precocity there. Uh, A tab that looks fine to me, steady tab where I don't see like a whole ton of gaps recently. Um, Capable barn first time out. And you're going to get a massive price I'm not saying this is the, the most likely winner in the race But if you're playing a pick five or some sort of rolling exotics These are the type of horses who I love to throw in Because you know yeah. you get something here, great If you run last, you know what? You threw in a, a 15 to 20 to 1 shot That could completely change you, change your ticket and change your day This is the this is the kind of horse that As soon as I see it step on a all-weather or synthetic surface I, I love candy ride babies going on yep. the first on the, you know, first on the, the synthetic. Oh, yeah. I, I'm a little bit wary of Dylan Davis. I, I don't, I, it's probably, it's probably unfair. It's not like he's, he's, it's not like he's He-Man Harky. Like I'm not no. gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, put him down that much. Uh, but I mean, yeah, that, that big positive ROI on the, the first time starters debut made in special weight uh, for, for Gleaves uh, is, is something worth working. Worth looking at, and I'm glad you mentioned it because that's one that I that kind of went back and forth on. Like, okay, do I tr- do I go ahead and include? Do I try to buy this race? Do I structure it out ABC so I, I'm covered to everyone, or do I just go ahead and take a stand on on the four horses I think that win? And uh, yeah, succulent succulent is one that that I could 100 see including. Yeah, it, for me it was succulent, and then uh, all the other ones you mentioned. I thought November Rain ran really well too. Um, you know, she battled early, and what was impressive to me about her visually was um, so she put away the other speed, 
And then she had a big challenge coming up from from the horse who ended up winning. And mm-hmm. at the top of the lane, it looked like November Rain was just going to be done. And and that and like that one was just going to run right on by. And she dug in and she battled after already dealing with some pressure early on. So um, I thought it was pretty impressive. I thought she could be even better here. And you know, if nobody else breaks, she could get a, a length or two on this field, and uh, and she could be tough with that little bit of seasoning. So to me, she's a must use. Um, and uh, yeah, the others that you mentioned all seem very logical and a fun. New York bread maiden special weight to kick things off. Anything else to mention before we move to the seventh? Uh, no, I'm ready. Yep, I think we are good. We got a first level allowance, hundred thousand dollar purse here, hundred and three thousand five furlongs on the turf course. And keep in mind, you know, you have a what is nice about a lot of these races too is that you'll get the multiple main track only. So if they do come off the grass or whatever, you'll you'll have a couple. But just you know, keep in mind, check uh, for the horses that are entered uh, main tracks and that are entered on the grass. Who are some of the horses that you're looking at as uh, major contenders or horses you need on your ticket? So I, I'm heavy on the the 10 and 11, which I believe are Rivendale and yeah. uh, uh, American Goddess. Um, one thing that is I, I, I always tell myself going into a new meet or tell, you know, other players going into a new meet. If you remember a bias from last year, just forget it because there's there's a chance that it just might not be there. However, when it comes to five and a half furlong turf sprints, uh, until they start bumping that temp rail out uh, a little bit further, the inside posts are pretty well dead. Um, just the one, two, three holes that you have a really hard time getting winners from there, and unless they're fast enough to clear the field, pick their own path, and not get kind of pinched in uh, on the turn with these horses from the outside. I mean, it's it's essentially just a geometry game. You just kind of they run out of room, and then you know you have the horses from the outside making the uh, making it into the turn, and just kind of they end up having to hit the brakes. So there's a lot of speed here. Miner's Queen, Spin a Yarn, they're all going to be going. I thought that the far outside posts with Rivendale for uh, Bill Mott and then also American Goddess for for Wesley Ward, we're going to be able to sit a pretty nice trip off that early pace and uh, be able to to hopefully pass a couple of gas horses in the, in the stretch. Um, I more than likely only use those two on my ticket. However, I could be convinced to stick in uh, Miner's Queen, the uh, – um, so much scrolling. Uh, the uh, Aspison horse with uh, Ricardo Santana Jr. Yeah, the speed. Up. The speed. Yeah. He was good on the turf sprinting last time out, showed the speed. Came out of a race that's already produced uh, uh, some quality next out winner. So, yeah, make, makes a lot of sense with Miner's Queen. I I love the 10 with you. I love the 10, uh, Rivendale in here. Um, Rivendale's just got a, a really nice sort of pattern when you look at, at some of the, you know, her overall form. So, obviously, she's a debut winner sprinting. In her second start, she comes back and she's favored. They try to stretch her out a little bit. And, you know, she's then... We don't see her from August to April. She comes back in April. She kind of looked like a race where she was just kind of uh, like getting a nice prep out of it where she didn't really get a whole lot. Uh, where she were, I don't know if she was necessarily had a, a, a great chance to win on April the 8th. Comes back on the 30th. She's inside. She's behind horses. She's traveling really well. She's tucked in. She's waiting. And she gets a nice opening. Um, and, and she moves through But the problem is that Minuan Had gotten a nice big run a Big rally down the outside And that's a group 3 winner 
who had come over to the U.S. and then next out finished uh, second in a hundred thousand dollars stakes at Belmont. That's a real quality horse who Rivendale lost to. I think it's a great spot. I think you're drawn well. Johnny V jumps aboard. Like anything around seven to two, three to one feels fine for me with Rivendale. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And also, what I noticed was that uh, the horses run fairly well when there's a you know a little bit of moisture, a little bit of cut in the turf. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And, you know, just kind of I use Brisnet looking at the brisk East figures. Uh, I, I know buyers might might vary, but the the last race on April 30th and then going back to the the August the 20th from uh, or the August 19th from a uh, 2020 race. You know, you see a little bit of a, a bump in the speed figures from there. Uh, also worth noting, uh, we are getting close to Bill Mott's birthday and Bill Mott does not screw around in his birthday month. Like I've got it set calendar reminders, <laughs> July 29th, Belmont's birthday. Just look out, get ready, get ready. One horse I want to mention too, um, is, uh, mused. So, you know, you look at mused who, um, was overseas and was, was good sprinting on the synthetic comes over, goes long and runs into a horse named gams mission, who is a grade three winner last time out on June the 12th. You know, it was not the the worst effort. Um, just kind of missed the start and was last, was inside, was in behind horses, and there were just wasn't a lot of passing going on in that race. The horse who won that race, going good, is multiple stakes placed. I think Muse is coming out of a couple solid races. This is now going to be her third start off of the long layoff, her third start in the U.S. Javi jumps aboard. Um, you know, I think if with the right kind of race shape, let's say. You know, because of the inside draw, you get horses that are maybe sent a little bit more down there, you know, with with uh, Mumbai, with Miner's Queen kind of forced to try to make sure that they're getting out and, and getting getting good position. Maybe this pace ends up going quick. That that would set up very well for a horse like Mused also. So I've got the 10 on top uh, and the six right behind. And um, those are going to be probably the two that I build a lot of my exotics around. Yeah, I, I most I, I really like to kind of key uh, on top with my with my exotics, especially yep. if maybe I'm not getting my win price that I'd like to see. So yep. uh, th- this is most definitely a race where I'm probably going to be uh, keying uh, that Bill Mott Rivendell horse yep. over uh, American Goddess and then probably over Muse as well as uh, as a uh, uh, Miner's Queen, maybe spin a yarn. Uh, good. Good spot for Ricardo Santana Jr. to just get aggressive with Miners Queen, so uh, you can't can't count count him out. Yep, I'll do similar. I think it probably on one ticket. I I usually play a couple different pick fives, pick fours, or whatever the uh, the exotics that I'm playing. And this would be a horse too that I, I would probably single on one. Um, and just you know single this horse, really like him, and, and nice if he really like her. If she wins, you know, get some nice coverage around. Um, if and on top of, of others that you you know you mentioned, the two and three are both logical to me. Um, wouldn't be shocked to see them anywhere around it in the mix. If you're looking for maybe. Horses that are a tad longer prices to use underneath uh, Bay Jewel and Madame McLean, the uh, the Reynolds runners um, who, you know, you can you can find a race last year at Saratoga for Madame McLean, the going five and a half on the turf where her only career win where she broke her maiden. So she's capable over this turf course. She did it at a price last year. She could get kind of a trip tracking, maybe uh, not too far behind. Um, but I, I kind of use her more of an under than, than a horse, or maybe if you're looking and you're treating this as like a real spread race in your pick fours or pick fives, but I, I have more of a solid opinion on top. I, I really think 10 is sort of like you do. I think the 10 is going to run really well here. Yep. Yep. 
Let's get to race number eight. We've got forty thousand dollar claimers, six furlongs on the uh, the main in here. So, um, you know, towards the outside, Patty H. Really sharp right now. You've also got the very sharp, easy to bless. Both of them are quick. They both have speed. Um, so at least from a uh, sort of a, a pace perspective and how the race is run, it'll probably at least go through them. How it's going to set up. Yeah, I I saw it the same way. There there's a ton of speed here. Uh, I, I'm most interested in another Bill Mott horse, Malibu Luna, uh, moving from turf to dirt. You know, strong angle for for Bill Mott. Uh, second time Lasix, second off the layoff. Uh, you know, you can kind of draw a line through the last start on the turf. Uh, gets a little bit of class relief. Uh, and I thought might should be able to just kind of sit a pretty good little pocket trip behind behind the early speed here uh, because there's a ton of it, absolute ton of it, especially with Patty H entered. So um, I I could see this going two ways. I, I could see this Saratoga dirt, you know, main track being souped up enough that Patty H and easy to bless just go neck and neck the entire way down neither one of the you know they both hang on none of you know neither fade and uh malibu luna kind of sneaks up underneath for the trifecta or i could see it being just a complete just chernobyl level meltdown and uh malibu luna easily picking up the pieces here Malibu Luna is going to be in all exotics for me. I've got her slotted second behind um, Polish Gem. I think she could get a really nice trip, maybe sitting third. What I love, like you said about Malibu Luna, she can pass. And for all the reasons you're dropping, you're second off the bench, you, you know, you took a shot on the grass last time out, didn't work out. That's fine. You come back to the dirt. Um, Polish Gem, the, the June 10th race at Churchill, she broke really well. She's got good speed. And then she ended up just kind of like settling. She didn't want to go to the lead. So she settled inside. And then what happened when sometimes, you know, horses aren't just push button. So you kind of settle. And then she got a little lazy. She got kind of outrun for like maybe a furlong. And she dropped back a little bit. And then she was asked. And so she came right on again. She moved through right up into traffic. Had nowhere to go. Uh, she kind of got bumped around. She couldn't really get through. She was trying to battle her way through, and and she finally kind of got a little room late and was able to get up for second. But it was not a beneficial trip with just sort of different handling. Um, I, I think she she could have won that race, and I think it's a really good spot for her. She beat forty claimers at Churchill last time out, and the way that we're kind of projecting this race in our head. I mean, heck, even a horse like Greatest Love has uh, adds the blinks. They're not going to be, I think, too far out of it. I could see versions, you know, where the the two inside horses, even you got Bayshore Foxes who draws the rail. I, I, what kind of tactics can they choose? I don't think they're going to try to take back. They got to at least go. She's got to get asked to get to you know to secure some position. So if she's pushed from the inside and pushed a little harder, you know, and then that ends up kind of like a domino effect where the couple others to the outside end up going a little faster than they want. Give me uh, a couple of the horses who I think can kind of track in right behind them. Yeah, I, that's kind of the way I saw it. I, I, I do put have a little or do see a little bit of a, a validity with your your polished gym, you know, kind of going from the inside. I mean, you got Luis Saez up. Great aggressive rider. He's yep. going, you know, you know, he's going to go. Uh, and, you know, the the tactics wise, I mean, what if you send polished gym and you be, you know, easy to bless, but more importantly, Patty H to the spot. Sure. Um, you know, the, a lot of times, you know, especially in our age, we get used to these like, you know, kind of passive sort of rides where it's just like, OK, we're just going to 
watch the lead horse just get smaller as it runs away from us. But, you know, if you can get out there and, and you can beat the early speed, then, I mean, you're sitting on the rail. You've got a good draw. Um, but I I mean, if those if the inside horses go, then I feel the five about Malibu Luna. Yes, yep. absolutely. And that's why for me. I wouldn't like I wouldn't treat Polish Gem as like a single, maybe a horse if at a really nice price, so I'd bet a few bucks to win on. But in some of the rolling exotics, I'd need Malibu Luna everywhere. Cause there are just like I don't know if she's as good as Patty H or maybe easy to bless, who are in really nice form right now, or maybe a couple of the others, but she really seems like she's going to benefit from this trip. She's just one of the few I feel very confident about her being able to pass. If they go quick and I have major questions about you know sometimes you start eliminating horses like if Patty if it's Patty H easy to bless even polish gem up close and the inside horse riding on a winner's blinkers on hit her win came going gate to wire they're probably going to want to try to get back as close to the, the front end as they can with her now we see four or five horses in here whose all of their best races have come on the lead the only horse who has really shown she could pass is Malibu Luna. Yeah, it it just by default, like, you know, some, you know, I have my own process to go through if like I want to evaluate each horse for class for for workouts for speed. But when it comes to just an extreme pace scenario, Mm -hmm. I throw it, I will throw that completely out of out of the window and I'll take the horses being set up by that extreme pace scenario, especially when they're in a good price like this. And um, Malibu Luna is a must use. I had them stacked. Um, three and five is my top tier with six and eight as horses. You know that you're not going to completely toss these horses in the exotics and in, in, in comp- I mean, in, in tries and supers. But um, I don't mind some short. T- if you're trying to play, if if you if you're the type of person who wants to single or, or take shots against the short price horses in the rolling exotics, I will never talk you off that. I, I have that approach many times. Um, it's um, yeah. I mean, easy to bless and Patty H are are honest, but it's just. There are many versions of this race I see where they just go too quick early on. Give let's give Malibu Luna home. Maybe Paula's Gem can sit right behind and uh, we can get like a five three, and uh, that would be a great result. In, oh yeah, uh, at uh, Saratoga as we move to the uh, graded stakes race on Friday, the Grade Three Forbidden Apple going to go a mile on the turf course here. You've got the Chad Brown trained value proposition. Who is, I believe, your lukewarm favorite on the morning line over the other Chad Brown trained <laughs> Sacred Life? Um, and, uh, and and then, you you know, you look around and there are some horses that are kind of feel like allowance types or maybe low level graded stakes horses who have some questions or maybe took shots against tougher and are trying to kind of find themselves and find their form. But this race probably goes through those brown horses. There's there's one that I like at a price that I'll, I'll talk about a, a little. But how did you see the uh, the graded stakes? I, I really thought the value proposition is going to just get a great pocket trip behind yeah. the early speed of Rinaldi and Flying Scotsman. Gets a little bit of a jock upgrade uh, last out. Had had Junior up. Um, you know, Sacred Life, Logical Myth, both could stand for benefit if the if the pace between Flying Scotsman and Rinaldi goes nuclear and and you know value proposition gets sucked in. I just don't really see that happening. I th- Rinaldi will want to go fast, but I don't think that Rinaldi is going to go fast enough to just kind of melt this down. Uh, and if that's the case, then I, I def I definitely want the horse sitting sitting the pocket trip. Have you ever noticed that the Chad Brown horses are like the t- the uh, the Velociraptors from Jurassic Park? <laughs> when fighting each you, other 
Just eat yeah, it. well, yeah, you focus on one, and then the next one just pops just out of, like, some electrical pops, conduits. Like, and it's big, it's, like, bigger, and you didn't really see it, and it's just, like, got all this momentum build up, like, storming down. Yeah, no, exactly. It, it is funny. Um, And they both, like, Sacred Life is the type of horse who... um. He's won six of his eighteen, and he's been in the in the country now for oh, what eight, ten races now. Um, and I I swear, like everyone that I I either singled him or really felt like, oh, this is the great spot for him, has been one of the times where he got a little bit into trouble or just came running on late. And he's he's honest, and he would be absolute no shock in here. I prefer value opposition of the of the Browns because for a lot of the reasons that you said, um, I think the three is a must use everywhere. I would, I I thought about singling um, value proposition And the reason why I ended up not was because I started talking myself into the 10 logical myth a little bit here So uh, let's go through some of logical myths recent form This is a guy who got really good at the fairgrounds uh, Towards the end of, of 2020 and then into early 2021 And what was like his best attribute was his running style he was kind of always Sitting in this nice tactical spot Inside he'd get this ground Saving trip and then other horses Would you know come running later they'd get into some Trouble and he would just kind of fall into a, a Good spot now he's drawn to the outside And you, you look at his Recent form he is coming off of a runner Up effort and he sat third and then He was second he moved to the lead he actually Opened up two he, and he was a clear cut Second that day behind pixel eight that was going A mile and an eighth so you're gonna get a little turn back To a mile here which I think I think like a mile to a mile and a sixteenth is really where he's perfect. Like this should, is should hit that horse right between right, the eyes at that distance. Right yeah. there, you know. And so good, good effort last time out. Two back. What's wrong with his his race behind set piece? Who's won three in a row? Just won the Grade Two Wise Dan. Right before that, he runs into Colonel Liam. So those races look a lot better. Colonel Liam was the dead heat winner of uh, the Grade One Turf Classic. Following that next out, now you sort of, you know, you make a little bit of excuses for him. In uh, the March and April race Keep in mind those two were both on Good turf courses too Maybe there is a little give in this one who knows But again you're just starting to like build excuses For maybe why he just didn't run quite as well He put together you know three really sharp Efforts right in a row Now he he gave us a good one last time And maybe he's rounding back into form To where he could give us another good Effort or two Um, uh, Johnny V jumps aboard He's got enough positional speed To maybe I don't think he's getting the lead from out there. Maybe he can sit third or fourth, right? Maybe he can kind sure. of sit where where we're kind of thinking value proposition will be, just kind of in that flight. Um, and he'll be a nice price. I'm gonna throw him into some of my pick fours and pick fives, and, and I think I'll use him in value proposition, maybe on top of some horses in exotics, exactas, tries, and stuff like that. Sure, sure. Yeah, I. So my one my one reservation, I did like logical myth and and. It, you know, it's a horse that I'm considering using. the The one knock that I have is I feel like the Joe Sharp game doesn't necessarily travel that well. No, you're uh, right. Um, you watched him really struggle uh, through this Oaklawn meet. Um, yep. He seemed to pick it up uh, a little bit later in the year. Uh, you know, in Kentucky. Um, but you know, it's it's one thing that kind of worries me whenever you it have. It really goes in waves have, too, right? You yeah, know, you absolutely. get like good month, good good like. You get the good kind of form cycle where a lot of the horses win, and then they they kind of all step up, and then you know they're maybe in a little too tough of spots. But he's definitely one that you catch running hot and cold quite quite a bit, you know. And um, uh, logical myth, yeah, we'll see. I'll I'll throw in, but I, this this race to me just screams like they're all going to have to beat value proposition. 
Absolutely. Now, if this was the middle of August, I would, I I don't know what I'd bet. I might put a child up probably uh, with Rinaldi. Just once that inner turf course dries out, that inner inwardly drawn speed, uh, especially with Luis Saez up. And so I might actually still consider you, instead of going just like a straight single to value proposition, I might still want that kind of aggressive ride with Ronaldi on the front. And with Saez, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, I, I'd probably try to t- try to gauge from the, the earlier uh, turf races to see if speed is kind of holding with that little bit of cut in the ground. But, you know, whenever it turns into concrete later in the meet, uh, that's like my favorite, like, unofficial holiday. Um, I, I, you know, value proposition 100%. I probably definitely will be trying to just mash a daily double out of the previous race with Malibu Luna into value proposition. Uh, you know, but then I'm also might try to play some pick threes where I stretch out a little bit using Rinaldi, uh, along with value proposition and some of the other horses we mentioned, and then try to go back and keep it skinny in a pick four or pick five with, a with, a just value proposition. There's one horse I have to mention because I, um, I really, you know, there's always these horses who you, you, you know, you follow along, you like from early on. And that was for me the sixth flying Scotsman. And I've always kind of followed him along. And I've always been when waiting for him to jump up and run really big. I remember when he broke his maiden at Santa Anita and then he, he went into graded stakes in the Cecil B. DeMille and was really, really impressive. And then we didn't see him for a while. He showed back up in a grade three at Arlington. In 2019 off of a long layoff He was favored he showed speed he looked Great and then he just kind of stopped and he's Always been a little quirky Um, he's got Sort of runaway speed This is funny because he Really is the type of horse that fits Jack Sisterson like this horse I don't know if it's going to be on Friday and, and, and I don't know because of the way The race shapes up with Rinaldi but if He catches a field where there's not that much pace Or for some reason the others take Back which happens all the time in New York we see it quite often yep. He can really Like pop at a price We saw him do it at Gulfstream just a couple months ago When he went wire to wire at 15 to 1 He's got ability He's just not I think he's got some issues And you know he's had a lot of layoff lines And he's changed hands But he, he's he got an A game That's pretty good And those are the kind of horses that are fun price horses To use when hey you know what They're not consistent but you know they can do it on their best day. Um, they have it to call on. Um, this is a horse who you know I'll I'll keep an eye on always. And if I have a, a drink before uh, the pick five, he'll probably end up on my ticket. You know I <laughs> so I I think Sisterson kind of kind of telegraphed the the tactics here because you you put Ricardo Santana Jr. up. You do not put him up to. To get well thought out measured rides, you know, where he's raiding off the lead. Like I have a, a saying with with Ricardo, which is no thinky, just righty. Like I that's that's the situation where I want him, you know, just don't think, just send, just get that horse into a drive. And if that's the case, I mean you could you could have maybe him beat Rinaldi to the lead. Rinaldi is a horse that I think uh, probably once you pass that horse, that it is going to go ahead and pack it up and call it a day. And then that happens, and you have a flying Scotsman loose on the lead, kilt flapping in the breeze. <laughs> As uh, we turn the page to race number ten. So when we are live, 
And we're four for four And we're heading into this 10th race on Friday We got the uh, champagne on ice We don't want to pop it quite yet We got to wait till we win Before they cross the wire And we see the uh, the, the race go official Then we'll pop it But we'll get it on ice We'll get it cool And <clears throat> how are we going to close this thing out? Alright, so I, I think you're going to You're going to need to have some coverage here Most definitely uh, This goes back to the whole You know, my, my five and a half furlong uh, You know Temporal at 12 feet thing I, I want to stay away from the inner posts Unless they're horses that I think Can get out and dictate their path uh, So some uh, some consideration A strong moment You're adding the blinks You've got uh, Luis Cardenas uh, Louis Cards as I like to call him Out you know there that he might be able to just be on the engine from the uh, from the break and uh, get out and get to the jump. Um, another horse that I that I was interested in was uh, let's see, you should be dancing, uh, Kelly uh, uh, Patrick Kelly, uh, adding Lasix for the first time has shown some speed before. It's a little bit wider out. Um, you know, a lot of times with these with these main races, you just want the horse that's going to dare the other horses to pass them in the stretch. Uh, that feels like you should be dancing, could be that horse. Uh, with first-timers like Rain and Candy at the five, that's another one I'm, I'm considering. Uh, I always assume that a first-timer is just going for the lead. Like I it, very rarely do you see these first time horses just sit back and, and rate and, you know, be comfortable doing it the first time. M- mostly it's just gate open gate opens run fast. So you have to consider raining candy to as a horse that could, you know, be that horse to dare other horses to pass them. Um, the uh, Creasel wrote. That's another one that's kind of showed the ability to pass fancy feline. Uh, that's another one that had a, I mean, I'm a sucker for a horse coming off a trouble trip. Um, and you know, had a brush, brush the gate last out. Uh, could you know, could possibly get get a pretty good uh, trip from the outside. So I, I'm all over. Just kind of throw a dart here. The the two that I need are two that you uh, you mentioned. Um, I'll probably end up you know getting to one or two more. But I absolutely need um, the first timer raining candy that you mentioned. Whose dam was uh, was one for five? Didn't win on the turf, won on the synthetic, but was actually Grade Two placed on the turf. So for just you know asking the question, were they any good on the grass? Well, yeah, she was graded stakes placed. Just because she didn't win in, in, in a few of her starts on the grass doesn't mean she wasn't good. Uh, they actually, she has produced a winning turf um, sibling for this one, also um, raining candy for like this is a barn who. You don't think of they're not a 20% or 30% barn with first time starters, but they're always around a 10% barn with first time starters, just capable with the right horse in the right situation. Uh, this could be for raining candy, and you should be dancing. I might play a ticket to where I single this one and maybe just play a ticket to try to get there. Um, and then I'll have raining candy on a lot of my other exotics. You should be in, uh, dancing was inside, was in tight, and was traveling well, was waiting for room. and was was chasing lone speed and was able to get second trying to battle off of the rail and but it was too late there, by the time you know you should be dancing had any real shot um to to stretch her legs the race was already over because uh the winner was was a gate to wire winner you're now going to go second start off the bench you look at the other two turf sprints for you should be dancing this just seems to obviously be where she's best sprinting on the turf i think it's a great spot for her, so she's not a favorite that I'd try to uh, to play against, or a short price that I would necessarily toss out. I will use like the four and five in a lot of uh, in a lot of my exotics here in uh, in the tenth and final at Saratoga 
on Friday in a late pick five sequence that w- looks really, really fun to jump into. I mean, that's just what's cool, Chase, about this time of the year now. Um, with Saratoga, with Delmar uh, starting to, you're just going to get a lot more quality, um, a lot more of the week. You know, unfortunately, uh, you know, you, you focus on Oakland and they have a, they've been having really good racing the last couple of years. Uh, unfortunately, in Southern California, we're just not getting the day in day out. Kind of field sizes and opportunities To get prices like you did um, And the, these summer weeks Now are really when uh, You can kind of sink your teeth into and, uh, and take some nice swings Absolutely, absolutely And this is, what I like about this sequence Is I mean, we kind of touched on it with a, with a few of the horses With like Value Proposition uh, With Malibu Luna Where if I wanted to get uh, Just super skinny on these tickets I mean, I've heard the thin is in, Gino Um Always, especially summertime bods, right? Summer bods. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, and Skin so and can, thin are in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you you can you can go ahead and maybe just try to get away with a double single there, and then really kind of just either spread out for your coverage or go ahead and just take a big boy sl- swing. Maybe bump it up from the fifty cent to like a two buck. You know, if you can Absolutely. afford it. Absolutely. Yep. Um, I, I I'm a bit always a always smash your 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 best opinion. You know, you want, and, and if you're right, you got to be rewarded, right? You got to exactly. be rewarded those days. There's nothing worse than like, oh, I had five winners, but I couldn't, I missed it on that pick five and this and the, I didn't bet him to win and I didn't connect anything. When you're right, make sure that you capitalize on those days because we're gonna have a hell of a lot of days where we're wrong. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. So uh, you got a big weekend coming up too this weekend Right I want to make sure we get that And before I let you go you, uh, you're, you made a trip You're going to be hanging with XFL Jim Doing the live gymnasium Is that right? That's right this Friday we are doing The live gymnasium from XFL Jim's hot tub In Nebraska <laughs> um, Possibly his garage Depending on depending on weather But the plan is uh from his uh from his hot tub, we got all sorts of stuff that we're gonna be doing, you know, taking video of. Um, one thing that I, I know has been mentioned, so I know I'm not spoiling it, is uh we're gonna see who can get the uh drunkest for the cheapest at an Applebee's. Oh, uh, great! Yeah, oh. I'm trying to. I need to pull up the menu and see see where my Take value your approach. Is. Yeah, this is like a supermarket sweep kind of a thing. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you got to really like. Uh, yeah, get your best bang for your buck here. You know, what are the cheapest well drinks there? What time do you need to get in so they can ring you happy hour? And then you got to make sure when you get in there, you get real nice with them. And if they got racing with for yep. uh, America's best racing with our boy Blackjack Fletcher and uh, uh, Danielle Monier, aka Summer Ray of yeah. the WWE, uh, who is an absolute sweetheart. I love her to death. She is the sweetest person you'll ever meet. Um, and then, uh, yeah, usually I'm I'm out there being abrasive on Twitter and uh, posting my videos on uh, on uh, Better Than Vegas. Doing a great job at that. So we'll be following along. We'll be paying attention uh, to your stuff on social media, your videos, the gymnasium, everything you got going there. The live stream uh, with ABR on Friday with Blackjack and Summer Ray and Danielle. So man, a uh, lot a lot on your plate, and you're uh, you're doing a, a hell of a job. It was. It was a ton of fun. We've gone back and forth. I feel like before we even talked, I already knew you very well. But it, it's always great to be able to actually uh, uh, to put a voice to the to the face into the uh, the uh, internet uh, messages that we had back and forth. So sure, uh, sure. Thank you so much, buddy, and I look forward to uh, chatting to you again. Chatting with you again. You have a great weekend out there. Yeah, thank you. You too, and uh, thank you very much for having me. Make sure to give uh, Chase a follow there uh, at of Oaklawn on Twitter and then you can get a uh, you'll get it uh, uh, updated to everything that he's got going on. Um we're going to uh, wrap up Saratoga Friday, but we've got plenty more on this episode. Don't go anywhere. 
lots of fun catching up with Chase, and we'll have him back here to talk more racing and uh, and more sports with us on That's What G Said. And uh, let's recap a little Saratoga Friday there. So in the sixth race, uh, Succulent was the uh, the interesting price horse for me. Make sure to throw Succulent in your exotics. Can't hurry love. November rain. They'll be on, uh, on most of my uh, exotic tickets as well. As we move to race number 10 at Saratoga, or excuse me, race number 7 at Saratoga. That's where I loved the, the 10. Chase was uh, along with me with uh, Rivendell. Um, I had 10, 6, 2, 3... And then seven and nine, if you wanted to go a little bit deeper, right? that's kind of had them stacked as 10, six, and then two, three, and then seven, nine. So depending on how deep, what exotics you play, but I do have the 10 overall in it and as possible single in the exotics. As we move to the eighth race, this one was uh, all three and five for me, Polish Gem and Malibu Luna. Um, Patty H, easy to bless, are probably horses I will include in a late pick five sequence if I single in the 10 in the race prior or um, in uh, on one or two because there are no doubt ways where easy to bless and Patty H win, but I just don't, I, I don't know if, if they're, uh, price will quite be to my liking with the opportunity of them getting cooked in a speed duel. So I'm stacked three, five, eight, six here in uh, in the eighth. As we move to race number nine, the Forbidden Apple, where I thought value proposition was the one to beat, but I did think logical myth was the one to bet. So ten and three in all exotics. We'll also use the nine Sacred Life. Uh, in a couple spots, and I'll probably throw Flying Scotsman on a, on a ticket or two on a, a long shot uh, as a at least in the underneath spots. And then in the tenth race, I'll have one tickle, uh, ticket where I uh, single <laughs> ticket single. I went to tingle. I'll have one tingle where I'll uh, be singling. You should be dancing. I'll also be using Raining Candy in uh, in some exotics there. Um, and you know, those are the two that I'll probably really be keying in on most in the uh, the tenth to close things out with the other uh, four. You should be dancing. So that's uh, some thoughts on the Saratoga Pick Five sequence for Friday. Best of luck there as we get set to head to Del Mar. Before we do, we have to let you know about. Some of our friends who are big fans of the Saratoga racing over there. And that is OldSmokeClothing.com. Quality horse racing clothing and merchandise rooted in the iconic symbols of racing. We're talking t-shirts, hoodies, uh, long sleeves, zip-ups with the names of famous horses, slogans, catchphrases, racetracks. You will not find quality racetrack merchandise like this anywhere else go to oldsmokeclothing.com and when you use the promo code GINO it'll get you free shipping on your order promo code GINO gets you free shipping on your order from oldsmokeclothing.com our friends at sarahcandles.com c-e-r-a candles.com and a promo code GINO will get you 10% off your order there. And these are unique candles. They're all-natural soy wax. None of those toxins, none of those carcinogens, none of those pollutants that are found in a lot of the other leading candle brands. SarahCandles.com, promo code GINO, gets you 10% off. Let's close things out with Delmar with Emily Gullickson. Uh, it, was, it was funny because I asked Emily to talk about the late... I was sort of figuring which races I wanted uh, wanted to have her uh, discuss with us. So I looked. I said, okay, races 7, 8, 9, 10 are probably the best like sequence. I did like the fifth race a lot, so I asked her to talk about that one. And then when she jumped on, she said, hey, 
why don't we talk about the first two? It's the first race of the meet. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone will be watching. Everyone will be paying attention. So hopefully we can help you get a, a winner right off the bat in the opener. And then uh, if you're following along with your past performances, we go races 1, 5, 7, 8, 9, 10. Get those past performances out for Del Mar opening day, Friday, July the 16th. Emily Gullickson from Optics EQ from Twin Spires, one of the best handicappers that you will hear. Uh, she's going to join us right now to go over the Del Mar opening day card. We spend, yeah, 45 minutes or so, similar to the uh, the amount of time we spent with Chase. And this one, though, uh, all through the, uh, the racing card at Del Mar. Kick back and enjoy. Hopefully we lead you to a few winners. Opening day of the Del Mar meet, and we are very excited to be talking about a lot of Del Mar races here on That's What G Said. One of our uh, favorite people to talk racing with will be covering Del Mar with selections each and every day. She always does a great job covering uh, a lot of the Southern California stuff. So we had to bring her on to talk about the opening of Del Mar because uh, this looks like a really good card on paper. Emily Gullickson, Optics EQ, Twin Spires joins us. Emily, how you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm looking forward to opening day. Yeah, it's a good card in competitive races. I'm just looking forward to it. It seems like the start of summer. Oh, yeah. So uh, now we'll be uh, getting some real quality racing from Saratoga on the East Coast. You'll get uh, Del Mar on the West Coast this weekend. You've got uh, Monmouth with uh, the Haskell, I believe, and some of their stakes races. up. So lots going on. Uh, Colonial has some cool uh, races coming up soon, too. We'll be really on overload with, uh, with the summer. And so what's your schedule going to be like? You're still doing the, uh, the Indiana Grand stuff, right? And then Del Mar stuff, too? Yeah, I'm I'm seven days a week with Indiana Grand Monday through Thursday and Del Mar Thursday through Sunday. Perfect. Um, and then Woodbine with a hundred horses yeah. in each race going four <laughs> days a week. So And all of them right now are like second off the layoff. You know what I mean? Like every one of them is either just coming back or like making their second start. So there's just like all this improvement that there could be. It's like Yeah. All, well this many... is like my favorite time at Woodbine because you know, if you watch trips and you're starting, you know, you kinda do it in the way that you're looking for a horse to improve regress or stay the same there's some opportunities right now it's tough at woodbine because you get those full fields so trips comes into play um you know things like that but it's just it's a good time to look for uh opportunities so i like this time of year at woodbine but yeah i mean season it's it's very busy for me and as someone who has followed the southern california circuit for a long time um you um you know Putting together uh, selections and stuff every day. I, I've you know kept an eye on it. Has been always been local uh, here. It really does seem like that uh, the extra time off this year is going to help. I mean, any I think any time before Del Mar, even at, at Hollywood, which I used to love, uh, towards the end of that meet. There were always just that last couple weeks or week or two where people would kind of just point their horses for Del Mar. They wouldn't really fill the entries as much. A lot of people like running down there. They want to run in the first like couple days or couple weeks of the meet. It's it's a little bit better when you just kind of remove the opportunities. And I think that really did help the uh, the card overall. There it's really full because there just wasn't a lot of racing going on in the last couple weeks here in Southern California. Yeah, and I think expanding the ship and win to allow horses to have a couple starts, whether it yep. was Santa Anita or uh, Los Alamitos, kind of makes it interesting, too, because a lot of those horses you can kind of see, you know, using certain races maybe as a prep and just kind of working towards the Del Mar meet and now showing up in spots that they fit. So a lot of moving pieces, you know, um, 
the racing office doing their best to kind of make things work. And I, I think they're doing a good job, at least trying with good faith, you know, and that's pretty much all you can ask for. You got to get creative nowadays, right? Yes. Like you, you just can't do it. And what worked years ago isn't going to work anymore. So you, you make some attempts, you try some things, it works, it doesn't. But hey, you know what? Um, it looks like the opening day at the, at the very least looks really, really good. And I've kind of cherry picked. Um, some races that I thought were uh, I like uh, real strong in quality and uh, and good betting races like combinations of both. So for those of you who want to follow along with us, we are going to be looking at Del Mar for July the sixteenth, Friday opening day. Get those past performances out. We're going to look at race five, and then we're going to look at the last four races: uh, seven, eight, nine, and ten. The fifth race Wait, is kind can of I call, can I please. call it audible? Please <laughs> do whatever you want. Um, can we look at race one? Yes, of course we can. There's a first okay. race of the meet, of course. That's what I think. That's what I was like, let's talk about it. Because, you know, obviously everybody's going to be looking at, at, the, at the ocean side because that's the premiere. But everybody's going to be watching the first race of the meet. And, and I, I love that it's, it's always been this kind of like, a, it's always usually in this low-level claiming type race. Generally. Yeah. Usually yeah. this race, going the mile, like you're you're always going to get it. I think it's in like the 10 to 16 to 20 range, just like this format for like some real hard knocking horses that like, there are more horses like this than there are uh, on the grounds than there are in the, like Oceanside type horses, you know? Right. And yeah, and I, I mean, part of that is I, I think this race is interesting because you have um, morning line favorite Dr. Troutman, who's trained by Doug O'Neill. And Doug O'Neill actually has a really good record in this particular race. Like this first race, as you mentioned, it's kind of that lower level. He seems to have a live horse. And um, this horse is going to get a lot of attention because he's got numbers that certainly can fit. But the current form to me is a little bit suspect. Another reason the horse is going to take money is because you have Pratt aboard. So it's one of those races that's kind of like the way I kind of look at it is like this race could kind of like set a tone for the meet, right? Is like if this horse wins, you could have a lot of people that kind of get rewarded for bad behavior right off the bat, taking a short <laughs> price on a horse that looks super, super obvious. But this race is like is really competitive. I mean, Dr. Troutman, he's going to find pace pressure, not even just with like his current form, but Studley Perfection on the inside, who doesn't seem to offer much value. Kristen was coming off a really strong Santa Anita meet, and she ran out of good Delmar um, last fall, I believe. So it'll be interesting to kind of see where, where her horse is. But again, you know, in terms of trip, you have those two horses in here pushing the pace, and there's other horses. I mean, you just keep going, like, because they did it my way, not necessarily need the lead, but one that likes to be forwardly placed. Um, I'm going to come back to some of these other horses. Great Magician has tactical speed. Leprino, tactical speed. Conquest Cobra, both those horses, Leprino, Conquest Cobra, similar running style, also, you know, like, going to get a trip. So, um, you know, I think it's interesting. We we're talking about the, you know, the ship and win and horses being in the right spot. And House Limit is kind of one of those horses. And I sort of noted back in May, um, this is the number four horse house limit for, for Bob Hess, that he was protected on May 15th and kind of was looking towards this meet, in my opinion, having that bonus eligible. And he was protected in that starter allowance, showed speed. And then, um, you know, the blinkers came off, didn't really ask for much, again, was protected um, in that race. And now he's getting the drop in class and has races that fit. So it just kind of seems like this was sort of the plan for this horse. I think he's going to offer a little bit of value. Another one that, you know, has some tactical speed, but not a need the lead type can pass horses. Um, because I did it my way, another horse, 
probably claimed looking towards Del Mar. He's got a good record here at Del Mar, second off, so showing some positive intent as he was protected last out. Um, I talked about those other horses that are shorter prices that probably could hook up in terms of a trip and don't offer value. And then there's Golden Dragon, a horse that's kind of like your lone closer. His dirt form is, you know, it shows 0 for 3, but you keep in mind those three races were in pretty tough company, higher level optional claiming races. And then the one of those races was the Breeders' Cup um at Del Mar, the juvenile, um, back in 2017. So just kind of keeping in mind, he hasn't really been in like the right spot in terms of class to run on the main track and probably going to get overlooked off that record. So uh, I don't know. I think this race is like super interesting to start off. Where did you kind of... Me too. The, the horse, so I'm, early pick fives, I'm glad you mentioned Golden Dragon. Like he's a, he would be a must toss into my early pick five just because there are versions of this race that... I could see it really unfolding for him Like you said, there's enough horses who either Want the lead or want to be close Or just off of it, where They could really get caught up here First race of the meet, everybody's a little excited You break a little alert, you kind of want to go on with it All of a sudden now there are like A group of maybe six or seven horses Up there, and then a a couple that Just don't really want to come from all that far behind He's in the mix for me I think the horse who I'm the most intrigued by Is, um, and and I'm I'm hoping he just Decides, they decide to sit with him this time and I think with the with the change in rider, and I think because uh, you know they had the bug aboard last time out, they were you kind of could tell that Gray Magician may be able to. This is a horse with some yes. back class. He's very capable. He's proven at Del Mar. This is a trip that he likes, and I could just really envision him sitting a nice like third. Fourth, you know, maybe two lengths off and getting the jump on everybody else. He's a horse who's got enough positional speed to go, and then he can kind of just sit and maybe track into wherever he is. So I had him on top and the other thing I'll just kind of add on what you mentioned Because I think the rider change is important And the change in tactics It almost seemed like that race was like a prep We've mm-hmm. talked about this before, you and I Where like they change a horse's running style And that looked like a race where it was like Let's get conditioning into this horse We're protected, we're looking at Del Mar So just kind of get that fitness into him It's better a little bit off the pace And then also noting last time out They put the blinkers on But also the front wrap So I would definitely look for the front wrap removal because it's second off, you know, just another thing of positive intent. But I, I agree. And what's with, nice is like exotic wise, you know, this is the first race, so you can keep an eye on those kind of things. Like some rates, sometimes you're in a pick four, pick five, and you know you're kind of locked into horses sometimes, and you see things. But here you can make, you can watch and keep an eye on before you make your uh, your final decision. Yeah, he, he's an absolute must use. And yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you wanted to talk about this race because it's it's like you said, everyone will be tuned in at two o'clock on Friday to kick this off. A lot of people play in the early pick five sequences. Um, those. Be a few that I'm absolutely using in mind Those two um, uh, Gray Magician and then uh, trying to uh, to Storm home from the outside a Golden Dragon he'll give you a, a little bit more of a price But yeah like if Gray Magician's in that like Four or five to one ish range there's There's probably going to be a, a Couple horses in that range All you know As the ones Probably just trying to come and get Troutman right behind them he'll I feel like he'll Probably be a, a cut below them and then You know a few right right above him yeah. Okay, that's race number one at Del Mar. Hopefully, we can get you started off in a winning way. A uh, fun race to check out as uh, we will flip to, yeah, we'll go to the fifth now. Uh, made in special weights, mile on the turf course here. We've got Phillies and Mares, three year olds and up. So uh, we have a horse, Jeff for, for Mullins, uh, Take Me by the Hand, who 
Imagine is going to take a, a good amount of money in here coming in uh, first time in uh, in the U.S. You have a couple horses who have been kind of beaten in similar spots at this level, like looking to get even. Who will probably get support again? Um, who are some of the horses that you look to in uh, in this mile turf race? Uh, sorry, we're getting. Oh, why this is being slow. I was hoping you talk a little bit longer. All right, we got to pull okay. up. Um, the Jeff Nolan's horse. I've been watching this one train. Um, she looks like a turf horse. Been training really smart, kind of like a turf horse where more of a breeze and then asking for a little bit of a burst late. So it looks very live just in this spot um, coming off the layoff. Again, yeah, you mentioned some of these horses looking to get even. Warren's Candy Girl um, and even Norma Jean B, should she draw in, have run some of the faster races in this field, but they're just like really tough to trust. So um, I think Take Me By The Hand looks very well met in here. And I'm also interested in number four, Floral Essence. She's going to make her return um, off 313 days. So there's a lot of upside coming out of those juvenile races and didn't run bad in either start. Um, Caught just a a really strong field on debut. And they're just coming back kind of to the scene of the crime, as it were. So I think there's some upside with her. So I'm a little bit more excited with number four floral essence and take me by the hand um brooklyn's best is another one that i think is worth a mention in here just because on her debut when she was sprinting seemed like needed more ground and while she got more ground in that second start that's pretty tough task to go from six to nine and so getting that experience the route and then cutting back to um a flat mile second off the layoff another one you know baltus um was a leading trainer at over the fall meet so certainly could be pointing towards this meet with her had a little bit of a trip as well traffic and then made a move once she was able to get out into the clear. So uh, that's why I'm leading in there. You know, again, wouldn't be surprised with some of those more more experienced kind of season types, but I, I think the lightly raced ones um, should present some upside and in a good spot. Yeah, um, I thought Take Me By The Hand was really, uh, really impressive in her debut over at uh, in France. Just kind of covered up uh, towards the back, and you know, maybe six, seven lengths off or so, and then angled out. was a clear-cut second that day. It was very good. She'll come over. She'll get Lasix. I think she's a strong use if you're playing you know, exotics, not a horse I'd be, be trying to beat. Glad you mentioned Brooklyn's Best, who did have some trouble. Uh, the other horse that I want to mention that I will be using, and uh, if I can get around... You know, like maybe anything over like six one to one in, in the six to ten to one range. Um, I'm giving a look to the one by American. So really willing to give a, a total excuse for the debut. Um, the slowish kind of start, last, kind of wide at the back of the pack. Really just sort of figuring things out. Came back on the 31st and um, and was drawn down towards the inside and stretched out from six just to six and a half. But just a much better start inside. Just about a few lengths off and then took back a little bit with six was was, you know, maybe five or off or so. Um, but there just wasn't a ton of room down there. And she was kind of waiting. She moved through. And I, I saw a little something in between. I like the fact that she's just kind of progressing. She's going to go two sprints to a route. She'll save the ground from the inside. Um, I'll, I'll throw her into a lot of my exotics if I can get, you know, over five to one in that in that. Five to one plus range I think she she fits She's not like far off at all With this field as far as numbers and figures And I, she's the type of horse who may People may get a little discouraged off of her because she Was such big prices in her two starts But she just showed logical improvement From start one to start two if she shows any Improvement at all she could be right there with this group yeah, I mean, my my concern are, you know, there's been two slow starts back to back. And now stretching Absolutely. out, I just think probably with the way that this race shapes up, their best bet was going to be to send from the inside, you know. So she yeah. gets a slow, because especially you just figure like, 
you know, looking to get even, you know, some of these other horses that are closer types. So she's probably not going to beat them at their own game. So probably having to get that jump and get out in front of them and try to make the trip on the front end, especially being inside with the apprentice rider aboard. So I, you know, I don't, I don't disagree. There's progression um, race to race, but I just, I, you know, could just be in, in terms of trip where, where she's going to be, but you know, no knocks and trying to get creative there at all. Fun, uh, fun fifth race at Del Mar, which is the start of your uh, rainbow pick six. Kind of boo, boo on that. I love the old school uh, two dollar pick I six know. there, but uh, I think everybody does. Right, I, I was gonna say I don't bosses. know how many people like. There's the couple days when they do the mandatory, where yeah, it's great, but it was so nice to have like. You know, Del Mar was the type of place where you can get you can have a solid opinion, play a ticket where you put a couple like you have a couple singles where you're like, yeah, I like this horse. I'll just put it in, put a you know a couple others uh, in a pick six, and like feel like you legitimately had a shot. I I used to love playing those, especially during the week sometimes where it wasn't as big of a day. You can kind of get a sleepy like Thursday sometimes and feel like you can really uh, steal some money. But um, we'll see if the if the response isn't great, then maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll go back there. But still a really fun race in the in the fifth there. As uh, we will skip to the seventh, which is the start of your late pick four. As we've got a first level allowance, optional forty five furlongs on the turf course here. What what is really fun about Del Mar is I think very much more to me than you know the other Southern California tracks, which right now is just like just Santa Anita, but it used to be Hollywood. It always seemed like Del Mar was that track where horses who have success there. Can kind of go cold for a while and then come back to Del Mar and have success. Or you, you see those horses that come off of a long layoff that might be just pointed for Del Mar and they can win. Uh, Little Juanito uh, was one of them who's who's had some really good success. There are a couple horses um, in this race actually who have had some some really good success at Del Mar. He's kind of interesting in here. Um, just w- when he shows up because I've always you know I've always liked when he uh, comes down to Del Mar and gives a, a really great account of himself. But this is. I mean, just a, a fan. I thought of like a fantastic betting race. Like so many ways to go. Um. Yeah. I mean, I. I don't know. It could be. Could be a tougher one. Um. Because yeah, like you mentioned, you kind of have to start with maybe Little Juanito and Eddie Haskell, as you mentioned, those horses coming off layoffs because they're certainly capable. They've been proven. They have the class. You know, here at Del Mar, um, as you mentioned, like kind of pointing to come back to this meet. But it gets tougher for these older yeah. horses to come off layoffs and to win, especially you know in a field like this. I mean, it's a pretty good Little Juanito's no stranger to layoffs. He's had to deal with them in the past. Um, not necessarily like his best game running first off the layoff and probably similar. I mean, Eddie Haskell, he struggled off layoffs in the past and he's never had to run up a, a 622 day layoff and probably nice. both those horses because of their record, um, you know, and possibly, you know, just due to connections could get some attention in here. And then there's horses that are like so lightly raced, kind of getting back to probably what they want to do. Looking at, you know, number nine, Commander Kai or Chai, Kai, I think I'm going to go with Kai. Um, and then Superman Shaq. I mean, both these horses to me present like sprinters. Um, and at the five furlong sprint distance, this is a big difference too with Santa Anita, how it's like expanded the um, the turf course, mm-hmm. especially the turf sprint course. Five furlongs is such a specialty distance. You kind of just need like the right horse that likes that. And both those horses might just fit that. I mean, Superman Shaq's kind of just shown he's, he's more of a sprinter. I think 
it, just in terms of um, his one sprint race at Santa Anita, I don't think it was the distance. I don't think it was the surface. I just think the horse was probably not right because that race was followed up by a layoff. And if it was the surface, they would have had plenty of time to go back to the dirt. So I just think the fact they're going to come off the layoff and remain on the turf at the shorter distance. Peter Miller, obviously, one of you know a really good turf sprint trainer, seems to kind of know what he's doing. And then in mm-hmm. terms of Commander Kai, I think you just figured out he's just not he's not a distance type. Coming back to a sprint is first two races at Del Mar um, both good efforts and again those being in a juvenile season so certainly could have some upside so kind of leaning on those two lightly race types and then um the 12 bad beat Brian I mean it's kind of a tough post but another one of those horses that's just sort of a five furlong type five and a half for a long type specialist um, gonna have to get a trip again from the outside post and then with his running style at a full field from off the pace but those those three were kind of the most interesting to me in here the, uh, I'm glad you mentioned the Peter Miller horse. It just feels like such a Peter Miller horse, too. It just was like, yes. this is the type of horse who he'll just, like, rattle off three wins in a row with, you know, turf sprinting, and he'll just, this is this is going to be, like, a nice turf sprinter now. So I think oh, Superman Shack. Do you, re- do you remember when he debuted last summer? There was, like, a, a lot of A little bit of buzz about him, right? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I watched his worst. I thought it was valid, you know? I mean, a lot of times you get buzz on horses just for the connections, and and it, it just made sense. It was just one of those races that you were just kind of like, huh, like, why did he it was run a, so it was bad? Actually, and then he came was, back and he crushed. It was a really strong race, too. Yeah. It was one of the, like, loaded races early in the meet where there were, a, like, some buzz on a few horses because Dr. Shavell was the one that came back and, and ran really well. Spielberg, you know, he, he obviously isn't, like, a like a greatest stakes winner type now anymore, but he was still solid at that point, and the race came back live. But – and then he, he came back and won, but he – I. Yeah, he was buzzy, and there was always like it just this feels totally like a horse that fits him. Um, I'm gonna throw him in a lot of my exotics. Um, the uh, the one that you uh, you didn't mention that you know I don't know how good he really is, but I'm gonna give Jam and Eddie a spot back here. You know he's proven at Del Mar. He was on the dirt last time out. He's he's better on the turf. He returns to the grass, and two starts back he did have some legitimate turf. Legitimate trouble if you look at his last three Races on the grass when sprinting He had legitimate trouble in the grade three Daytona Where he was just inside he was buried He was in a tight spot and he just never really Got a shot to run Um, he was behind Brando the bartender who actually came out of that Race to win $100,000 Calbred stakes next Out and in the race that he lost To commander when he was the beaten favorite he finished second And commander actually came back and ran well In a couple stakes you actually see commander ahead of him In the Daytona so you know, I think you make it a little discouraged because it doesn't look like he's won as often as of late. But when you really look at his overall turf form, I do think he has some built-in excuses. And I'm I would not be surprised to see him run well. He's kind of got a little versatility to him. He doesn't he's not gonna be on the lead, I don't think, in a group like this, but he's not gonna be way way out of it either. He can kind of sit in between if he has to. He, he can pass some horses. So um I'm gonna give Jam and Eddie a shot too in uh in some of the exotics. Um Along yeah, I have, with, um, I, I wrote I wrote him up in um, prison as well, so I'm not against this horse. Again, it's just it's, and I agree, you know, with the assessment of trips, he just wasn't in the right spot. He's not quite a stakes type, you know, especially being against open company. Um, so getting you know getting some class relief is is probably a benefit, and he's just running style probably could just get a trip, and I think that's sort of what he needs. If he falls into a trip, he can win. Yeah, yeah. he has those races, so that's sort of where it's just where it becomes like you know, gambling type thing, you know, where he's a good price, you can play him because some of these other horses start to get, um, get over bed and get a lot of attention. He gets lost in the mix. And all of a sudden, you know, you are getting eight, 10 to one on a horse that's capable. 
Absolutely. S- uh, similar feelings with bad Bre- uh, bad beat Brian. Um, no great attempt to deal with here. Um, and the last two races uh, that were kind of poor on the grass of his were races that were on turf courses that he's probably not going to get out here. They were on good <laughs> turf courses. So you know, this is a horse who you know may may just you can maybe give him even a little bit more of a mulligan. And, and those horses that he was behind, you know, obviously great attempt who he was behind before and and uh, prior to that Maven. There's just Little bit better, you know. This is a this is a softer spot. Um, the tough post, though. He's he's like you said, really gonna have to trip out here. Um, but man, yeah, there's what makes a, a race good is as much as being you know wide open and having a bunch of horses in it is that when the the horses that are the short price horses, you can make some legitimate uh, cases against. And you know we have horses in here that are probably gonna take a lot of support that. I just don't have a lot of recency and they're getting older. And like you said, you, sometimes you keep coming back and you think you're going to come back off the layoff and you go to kind of push that button and it's not quite there as much. Right. You know? Right. This is a, a good race to kick off the late pick four there in race number seven at Del Mar. As we move along to race number eight, we're going to go back to the main track here. We've got first level allowance, optional 40s. And you have a couple of Bafferts here uh, I think right before uh, we started uh, Recording this, Bafferts uh, back in the news Looks like he's going to be able to have horses running I believe at uh, at Saratoga uh, For the time being, Baffert will have uh, You know, Freedom Fighter And uh, Savile Row So he will obviously have a major Say in at least The outcome of this race and the way the Pace shape sets up with you know, Savile Row from the inside Likely to be close to or on the lead Freedom Fighter in all three of his starts Even from five furlongs to a mile He showed speed So um, it all, it's always uh, tough with a, when it's a race like this With uh, with a couple of Bafferts And you, you gotta try to kind of pick and choose If they're both gonna go How they're gonna set up Although in this particular race Even if just one of them went I did I do think there are a couple others That probably have enough speed To, to keep them honest up front yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you do have to also keep in mind, these are both three-year-olds that are going to be facing older horses absolutely. for the first time coming back off layoffs, which, you know, Baffert's kind of hit or miss with, um, you know, just between the two, I give Freedom Fighter a little bit of an edge. He just has those, uh, been improving just in terms of speed figures coming out of the, the graded stakes races. Savile Road um, ran fine in his debut. That race is a little kind of meh, you know, and like it's after one like race. a perfect just, trip, right? Yeah. He just sat like so perfect second from the outside, kind of moved to the lead. And visually, I mean, the figure came back okay, but it's like visually he he didn't look that great. He just kind of hung on. Um He's right. gonna have to and get a different trip inside. Two hundred and fifty days, so probably what you saw is some kind of issue in there, you know. So I don't know. From the inside, just kind of less exciting than yeah. you know. I mean, Freedom Fighter. I'm not overly excited about him either. So if I have to pick, but I don't have to pick up after. There are other horses in yep. here. Um, Exalted also getting class relief, being an older horse. He's coming off two really good races, in my opinion. I thought his yep. San Carlos third place finish was like a winning type effort, just making a wide move kind of against uh, against a dynamic behind the lone winner where he finished in a photo for place. And then another better than look effort, finishing third in the triple bend. So, I mean, he's got the class. He's got the improvement. He's tested at the extended sprint distance um, rider change not, can't necessarily hurt at this point seems consistent improving type. And then my friend Adair who probably, I don't know if he was going to win on June 19th, but certainly could have got a better uh, 
finishing position. That was a better than look race. Not a good ride. Was kind of buried inside. Moved late. Another one that's going to cut back to one turn has formed on the main track and on the turf. So that just shows a level of class. Has speed figures that fit. And again, coming off that sixth place last time out is going to be a good price in here. Um, And Drysdale also, you know, he he did not have a good Santa Anita meet. I don't think he had a win the entire meet. Maybe he had one, maybe two, if I'm being generous. Um, But that's also something to keep in mind, too. I mean, just the the change in scenery. Um, Adair broke his maiden at Del Mar. Impressive uh, win at the same distance. So, looks to be some positive intent with a horse that's coming in with with better form than it might appear on paper. And then, as you mentioned, Baffert has a pair. Peter Miller has a pair in here. Um, Where did you kind of land with the the two Millers? So, the Millers, I... Like cabbie, like more of an underneath, like major question marks for me. Um, I think I would probably prefer Mr. Dougie Fresh with you know a little like this is also another type of horse that Miller can kind of get to. Like Dougie Fresh has races good enough to win, and he's the type that can bring those races back out of them again. Um, so I would I would lean that way of the Millers. I, I'm really with wait, you. Wait, wait. Uh, so you're gonna. Peter Miller's gonna bring back Jason service form. This is drama. <laughs> this would be <laughs> right. I just, you know, he's he's done this with horses before, that. right? And uh, that would be, yeah, that would be great. That would be great. Uh, the one who I might build a lot of late exotics around is Exalted. And you know, you and I, when we talk a lot about horses, like there are just horses that you can kind of look at in certain races that just they look really good in the spot, like they're well spotted. They look like they're gonna get the trip. They're kind of coming into this within the nice like second off or third off like start of their form cycle situation and everything you mentioned over the last two trips they were both sneaky the races that he's been beat he's been beat by just like good horses who are in better situations than him even magic on tap last time out magic on tap just got the nice trip around the outside where he didn't have to stop once he got his momentum going and exalted was you know down on the inside kind of waiting waiting behind horses he's just kind of completely buried early in the stretch while the top two moved on and then he was wrapped up on late so it's to me it feels like a a great spot for him he he gets off the inside he can kind of try to stay in the clear a little bit more towards the outside especially cutting back a little from seven to six and a half because they'd rather keep him maybe a little more in the clear than, than try to get him buried i wouldn't be shocked to see them try to get him you know just off of the inside a little bit early I feel like it's a great spot for him And this might be like a late exotics kind of single For me because I just don't I, I don't really don't love either of the Bafferts that much In this particular spot either um, I do like a dare a little bit In underneath spots and so I, I will Have a dare uh, and the other longer Shot who I don't know if He's good enough to win but I was Really impressed with Kahuna Magic's win It didn't 100%. really like score yeah. That well on on speed figures And stuff but wow you know The horse he beat Brado, we're gonna see in the ocean side. It's kind of a weird spot for him next, but he was he was impressive when he came back to win for Baffert. And it, Kahuna Magic was, you know, he was in between horses. He was three deep out of four. He was kind of right up with the leaders. Then he had to tuck, like, take back in between horses down to the inside. He waited. Then he moves all the way to the outside, five wide. He showed some handiness. He showed some versatility. Um, is he gonna have to improve? Absolutely. You know, is he gonna have to get better here? Sure. But he's a big price. I'm going to try to include him in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, um, I gave him a mention as well because for all those reasons, it was just kind of a horse that I also had been watching train. So it was like I, I, knew, I knew this horse had some ability, and he just put it together. And I think part of the reason that 
the speed figure you mentioned that didn't come up that strong was because of the dynamic and having to overcome that. So I think there is upside for him. This yeah. is another just kind of a tough spot. I mean, in tough post, it, yeah, just in is. terms of, you know, he's going to have to get where whether there's upside. I 100 percent think so. Move forward in speed figures. Yes, across the board. But it's just in terms of trip. He's going to totally be on the agree. outside. He's still well, like I, race. He's it's hard to picture it. For him, right? Like, how do I picture? Is he going to be really wide? Is he going to take back like four or five lengths yeah. more? Like, I don't. And yeah, it's it's impossible at this point to kind of know what type of trip because of those first two races. It's just hard to know. Like, and and the horse himself, he might not even know his running style. I mean, if he makes the lead, if they go from the outside and get out in front, like, I wouldn't be surprised. Not like, at all. that would not surprise me at this point. It's no. just you know, he's another horse that's it's a lightly raced. He's only three year old. He's facing older, so it just kind of seems like. Maybe he's a race away, but definitely not a horse I would like completely dismiss because the the value is going to be there and on a horse that that does have some quality to him. Fun races continue on the opening day card at Del Mar as we get to the ocean side. The run happy ocean side They'll go a mile on the turf course The three year old This is always one of the staples of the uh, the Del Mar meet is these uh, three year old series for uh, these three year old turf series here and. You know, you'll get some horses who have been in some good spots, like a horse like Dream Shake. He'll try the turf for the first time. Uh, he, he's faced some some good ones. You'll get some shippers here. Horses like Fighting Force, Crew Dragon come out, and then you get you know some uh, some really nice local horses who will try to step their way up and see uh, how good they really are. And you get a big big field here. Um, so uh, I guess from the from beginning, who are some of the ones that uh, that you want to start with? Well, I mean, I just think overall, I don't really think there's any standouts in this field. No. Because you could look in terms of speed figures and you're like, okay, Dream Shake and um, what makes Sammy run, like, they run the faster races. Okay, fine. Dream Shake has never done it on the turf. And then in terms of what makes Sammy run, his speed figures are fast, but those are fast races sprinting. He's not the same, or at least he hasn't shown to be the same at a route. So it's hard to have confidence in those two horses, even though they're, like, the quote-unquote fastest horses in the race because they're doing something new. And I think, you know, there's a lot of public that's going to default there. And then just kind of everybody else is is – pretty much the same. I mean, Crew Dragon just kind of stands out to me. I mean, he's been running in stakes races. He's been running speed figures that are fast. He's proven at the distance. He's privately purchased. He's just, you know, he looks like a standout in the ply. He's just like a massive square, like right in the center. So it's just kind of one of those horses that it's sort of like, because I'm not like, I'm not crazy those other two. Everybody else is kind of the same. He just kind of seems like this is like the right spot for him. And like, I can't argue with like the data, you know what I mean? Like, yep. it's just, I, I can't argue the data. I mean, going on the inside, Harvard memories, another one just in terms of distance is probably not the same um, routing as he is sprinting a good sprinter um, fighting force. It was able to just get kind of a setup last time out. And just in terms of class, maybe not quite on this level. This is a, a step up coming out of those races. I mean, Gulfstream is, is, is solid, but not in May and June, right? Like no, that's a no. different meet. This it's is not totally different. Cha- championship meet. Uh, Bruto, you know, you mentioned as well, improving type, but another one that is unproven at the distance, unproven at the surface. 
that's kind of tough. Petruccio might have some upside. I mean, he's at least you could say with him, he's got to win at Del Mar over the distance. Like maybe that's just enough and an improving type. I thought his last race wasn't bad. Just kind of one of those horses that hasn't quite kind of punched through, but mm-hmm. you know, can, can kind of make the case for just sort of like by process of elimination, we're going through jungle crime cry improving, but maybe not quite improving, you know, enough. Um, none above the law was much better than him back in the Alcatraz by far flashiest another one certainly improving i mean going back this I is my guy watching that race at turf paradise like I mean, this holy, is my guy yeah. holy beep this horse can run you know yeah, and then know. he did just that and really yep. no fault um in his most recent start and then really the only knock with him is just he breaks slow and in a so slow every time and i'm worried in this kind of field that's my word but i'm sort of with you in this race like crew dragon is an absolute must use to me um I probably will give Harvard Memories just a little bit of a, of a shot from the inside just because I don't think they're that much of the rest of this field. So I do agree with you that this is probably not what he wants to do, but I don't like I don't know there aren't a ton of horses in here that scare me so much that you know what he still might be able to get this trip. Maybe going forward, you know, stretching out even more, I don't think so, but with the right kind of trip if he can kind of tuck right in behind or if he just goes and gets away. So I'll probably use him in some in some too, but flashiest. He's the one I like the most in here, but I'm so worried about his starts cuz all three of them, you know, you can make an excuse for maybe one or two where it's like, okay, yeah, he got a little crossed over on, but then when you watch it all three times it's like, oh no, that's him. Like he just yeah, he steps yeah. slow and then they come over because he's just not getting into that spot. And and that's it's fine because that's his running style. And you just got to make sure that he isn't one that gets bet down much from where he is, like six to one ish, five to one ish. Like that's that's fine. You just don't want much shorter than that because of his running style, because he's the type of horse who could get in some trouble, who could have to pass everybody in here. This is no doubt going to be the best group he's faced, but. He is good, like, he's got ability And if he gets a trip and he doesn't You know, completely You know, he's not 15 lengths out of it Let's say he is, you know, 7 or 8 out of it And they go pretty quick, and he's able to Gear himself, you know, out of traffic He can absolutely storm down and win This race, and, you know, he was second In a race where Hudson Ridge just got such A jump on him, that, Mm -hmm. you know It was, he was never going to win, he still ran Very well in finishing second, he came over From that Turf Paradise race, and he proved It in, in a couple of Santa Anita races that He fits in a spot like this He just, he needs the trip And maybe he can, you know, get a little bit better and, and With each race out of the gate But he hasn't shown it yet And that's that's my major concern But I, Yeah, I'm, and I mean, there should be there should be plenty of pace I mean, yeah. it looks like it Because we talk about these sprinters that are stretching out And like, you know, the, the pace should be fast and honest That's the way it looks on, you know, on optics It's, you know, contentious So that should help his run And then the other, the other narrative that we like haven't mentioned in here, I mean, we can use it in flashiest because Cedillo's going to be taking over and Pratt obviously had many options in this field and he's going to side with what makes Sammy run. But I mean, in terms of flashiest, he's had three different jockeys so far. So what's the yeah. fourth? But I think that will be another reason why people are going to gravitate towards what makes Sammy run <laughs> So much as be like, well, Pratt had, you know, the choice of 10 other horses in this field. I'm only slightly exaggerating but that, you know, and he landed on, on this one, <laughs> you know, like, but um, the other I'm, worried, I'm he, worried he gets a little wide, right? Because I don't, we said if, if it's, if there's going to be a good amount of speed, like, I don't think he's the fastest in here or fast enough to clear. And I don't think they would want to try, but they want to probably be not too far out of it. Um, and I'm I'm just a little worried at the trip. Could they just get hung a little bit wide out there? 
Yeah, I mean, you have to consider all those factors just because when it comes down to, you know, comes down to a price and, you know, especially the distance. So uh, not a horse that's going to, you know, surprise if he wins, but uh, he's a horse that I'm going to try to take on. And then I do want to mention Hockey Dad because I think Hockey Dad is really sneaky in this spot. I mean, going back to, you know, his debut, which was kind of a prep, and then he started beating up on Calbreds. And he's not the most, like, conventional Calbred um, runner out of Nyquist, who's, you know, obviously Kentucky sire and has, you know, horses running all over that are performing well, ran well in the, you know, the stake stakes at Turf Lake yeah. Park, got a little like leg weary late, but I mean, that was from a far outside post. He was up close to that pace, like the King from off the pace, you know, it, I thought that was a good race. And then you can kind of excuse the Keeneland race, a layoff that followed. Absolutely. And I'm going to come back in this spot. Um, another one that like, you know, obviously trip is going to be a factor. They're going to have to use his speed, but, um, you're going to get plenty of compensation on a horse that's fast Hun- enough and has hundred percent. Yeah, we're talking about the the major difference between a horse like that and m- what makes Sammy run when you're talking about the trip is like, yeah, the price is so built in with Hockey Dad, right? It's like, oh yeah, sure, okay, that's why you're getting a lot bigger price. He's gonna have to work out a trip, but I loved that race at Turfway because it was such a good measuring stick race for him because he'd come off of a couple of good efforts and he did it on the grass. He did it, you know, he he's actually a really neat horse when you kind of look into like recently. You know, he went from. Six furlongs on the turf to six furlongs on the dirt to stretching out on the turf to stretching out on the synthetic ran well in all of those races and a couple of them were against Calbred so you know you don't exactly know how good he is until you take a shot but Doug O'Neill has a good idea he's got as good of stock and is as like deep of stock as any to get a balance of like oh yeah this horse probably fits there so he does throw a horse you know out to turf uh, to turfway where he's he's only seven you know seven to one there he's only beaten a length that day and he shows he has some quality absolutely like that's a that's a really good race to go to he's a, he's a horse who I'm gonna throw in in under spots for sure and you know if you're playing like late pick fours late pick fives and late exotics and and you really have a strong opinion somewhere else, or you're just looking for a, like a good horse to to blow things up. I would not talk you off him at all. Yeah, I mean he's just you know I, I think he's just going to be kind of overlooked just on just those two factors. I mean if you just excuse the Lexington, he'd be a shorter price, Absolutely. and you can easily draw a line through the Lexington because it wasn't just the slop and the dirt. It was like the timing as well. You know, I mean. O'Neill's kind of ambitious and like these connections, like thinking Derby and trying to get points, you know, out of the stake stakes and like Lexington is two weeks later and, you know, like they're mm-hmm. just going for it, just pushing, sure. pushing, pushing. So it's like you just, you know, you can excuse that and you have a horse that's like improving, has some form at the state, you know, graded stakes level. And, you know, Training I thought that well race right now, pretty- too. He just seems like he's feeling good, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Gets uh, training forward into this race, you know, kind of rerouting, pointing here, just kind of like, you know, makes sense in the spot. And then again, it's just going to be overlooked off that one race and being on the outside post. And like, that's pretty much going to lock in the price. So uh, when we catch a couple really nice prices and we're alive in some uh, some multi-race exotics here, closing things out at Del Mar on opening day, we get to the 10th race, a 50 starter uh, allowance. They're going to go a mile. On the main track in here, um, who uh, who are some of the uh, the ones that you want to start with? Oh, um, yeah, this I thought this race was another race that was like really tough, and another race that just doesn't have any standout. It's oh. almost like if I have to pick a standout horse, it's Mongolian Legend, um, which like does not 
like appeal like on paper, but you have another another trainer that just was like completely blanked at Santa Anita, sucking up the layoff, getting some class relief, has speed figures that fit, has a running style that fits for this race. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, just kind of one of those that's like, well, man, this horse like fits. He's kind of tough to trust, but you know, has some good races at Del Mar. You know, I guess you can go back, you can find them. Like they're there. I don't know. Um, Oxbridge, and we're talking about O'Neill horses. I mean, this is the horse that's been in form as of late. He's been running on the turf, but he started his career on the main track. His speed figure on debut at Saratoga was as strong as any of his dirt races and could just be a horse that on the inside has speed and is mm-hmm. just kind of conditioning wise in the right place and time. So I think he's usable. Um, and then some of these other horses, it's kind of like, okay, I guess. And like, you know, like the beat being one of those sort of has the ship and wind going for him, protected last time out. It's going to go back to the main track. Ran decent race at, at Churchill Downs, that one turn mile at the starter allowance level. That's a speed figure that fits here. So there's probably some yeah. positive intent. Sure. Um, the longest night, I mean, just kind of a tough one to get a read on just due to the layoffs. But he's been rested, freshened, off his maiden win, has speed figures that fit. Um, Albizu has also speed figures that fit, but distance-wise is going to be a little bit tested. And again, I mentioned Mohal coming off a strong sanity to meet, so it's always interesting when you have like hot barns. It's sort of like, was it the hotness that carried this horse, or is this horse? So I think that's kind of one of the barns for me that I'm going to be kind of trying to pick up like hot or cold. Um, Exalted Joy, I can kind of get there as well. It's a horse that's been improving race to race. I know we only beat two other horses to break his maiden, but maybe just that's the confidence builder where you have a horse on the improve. Um, and then it's, I just can't really get to anybody else. What did you, did you Comple- come up with something? Yeah, no, we, we got, we got a lot of similarity. The, the three that I'm probably keying the most around and, um, you know, I'll, I'll probably get Mongolian legend in also because I, he's not going to be like a short price, you know, like no. he's the type of horse who I would like to try to beat when he's a short price. Yeah. If he's, Five-ish to one in a race where there's like A a lot of money spread around then You know it kind of defeats the purpose (laughs) You know like the 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 purpose of trying to play against horses that You don't like or things you don't like or when they're a short price If they're a bigger price you know You know it doesn't really matter as much uh, At least to me Um, The beat I'm glad you mentioned because that one Will be on my tickets I did think that the May 7th race was fine and there are races That would be very comparable with this the Keeneland uh, race uh the, both of the Keeneland races prior to that were actually not not bad at all. They wouldn't be too far off from winning this set. And Albizu, um, probably in the mix for me. Um, you know they'll get a little more forwardly placed from him. He did kind of take a goofy like step right after the start, and he he took a few strides. I actually thought the race was was pretty good. Um, with you know coming from off the pace because he he had shown that he either was like right on or sitting close in his other starts. So he actually did show that he can close and he he angled out. He, he Honestly, the reason why he didn't win was Box of Chocolates just got a couple length jump on him. Uh, Box of Chocolates was one of those horses who didn't win a whole lot, who's kind of like Mongolian Legend. A little bit funny that uh, uh, Albizu is going to be uh, hooking up with the with the Mongolian Legend here too. But yeah, and Exalted Joy, I'd also throw him in. Like in pick fours and pick fives, if I was closing, I would want I would probably want all of those horses on on my ticket in this last leg. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a good kind of race to spread just for those mm-hmm. reasons that it just kind of seems like there is no real like clear cut standout or any horse that's necessarily like pointing to this spot. It's like, you know, these horses are gonna kind of have to have to earn it. Emily Gullickson, uh, always such a fun conversation when we can rattle through uh, races, we can rattle through the fields. Emily's helped me out over the last couple years now as well. 
wow, we're already up to like 210 episodes of uh, of that's what G said. You've been on many, many that's of awesome. them, yeah. helping uh, helping us out through the years. I mean, from all different racetracks all around, and uh, this is uh, always a blast. So we really appreciate it. You uh, and I, I tell you this every time, but it's always one of the most well received uh, segments and uh, one of the mo- most well received guests that we have. People always are asking uh, when you're going to come back. So I said I'll I'll get her back as often as we can without annoying her. How's that? Oh sound? yeah, I'll no, no. <laughs> I, I enjoy I enjoy doing this show, especially knowing that like that people listen. You know, and I I know you feel this too. We probably like don't talk about that, but like. You know, you and I, like, we put our work, like, out in the public space, and, like, sometimes you just don't, like, you don't have, like, the feedback on it, and you're like, I'm writing this to Quiet. a Quiet, you're like, worried. Do people like, like it? Like, yeah. are, they, are they even reading it? Am I writing, like, into the, like, in the space? Like, <laughs> and some people say that they like sometimes. your work, you're like, all right, cool. Like, that keeps me, like, motivated. So, you know, if people are listening and they want to hear from me, like, it doesn't bother me. You can call me anytime to talk racing. Yeah, I see the numbers. They've been awesome, and they go really well. And then, and then sometimes, like you said, it's it's me, and it'll be like a, a week or two, and I won't hear a ton of feedback, and I'll see the numbers, and then the next week there'll be a ton of comp, uh, comments and people saying they were this and that. So yeah, you 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 put yourself out there. Sometimes you're like, you are paying attention, right? And uh, they are. We always are, and and I'm always uh reading up uh, uh a lot of your stuff out there, circles and squares stuff. Um, there's a lot of really good free content from Optics. There's a, a lot of times where you've been doing uh videos. And Stuff for Twin Spires that you can also check out If you have an account you were even doing uh, Some Canterbury stuff so you Have uh, been all over the place I'm I'm Very happy because uh, from the very beginning when we started Talking uh, you know you always helped uh, Me out quite a bit and I always could tell what a Great handicapper you were but it's, uh, it's great to see Everybody else getting the opportunity uh, to see that Too so thank you so much thank you All right good luck everybody Make sure to give uh, Emily a follow. Uh, what's uh, Twitter again? One more time, and uh, where we can get all uh, get all your stuff coming oh, up yeah. for the next um, week. Give us plugs. Emily Optics CQ is my personal handle, and then you can follow Optics CQ. And then also, um, yes, yeah, so you mentioned the Twinspire or Twinspires the videos for Indiana Grand, um, daily selections for Indiana Grand and Delmar. And then um, on Optics CQ and even on the Delmar site, we do the race of the day. And I think that's it's going to be kind of a different format. I've kind of done it more like in the circles and squares style. But now that we have optics analysts, which is kind of a more um, like focused kind of uh, analyst kind of slash wagering tool that you can just sort of see um, that's going to go up and that's kind of new. So I'd like people, you know, check that out and then offer feedback on that because something we haven't quite like rolled out completely for optics, but you'll get a taste of it um, on on OptiCQ and on the Delmar site for race of the day. Great stuff. Thank you so much, Emily. We'll uh, we'll have to uh, get you uh, back on here uh, in a few weeks. And everyone, make sure to give her a follow. If you're ever just, um, you know, any it's it's a great compliment, and um, all the optic stuff is great for whatever you need, right? If you're someone who maybe you haven't really looked at the card that much, but you want to put a ticket in, or you want to put a couple, uh, you want to put a couple plays in, uh, you always really good stuff to trust. Or maybe it's just you're gonna have a big day. You just want it to compliment your handicapping. You can add a couple horses here and there that you might not have had, like. You know, you can. It's just such a great uh, tool and a great, uh, a great source to have. So uh, we always appreciate your work, Emily. Thank you so much. Thank you. Make sure to give uh, Emily a follow there. Do not go anywhere, folks. We'll uh, we'll finish up and uh, and wrap up Delmar for opening day. 
I am pumped. Saratoga Del Mar opening up. I'm putting this uh, finishing touches on this show late Wednesday into Thursday. So um, Saratoga hasn't quite opened up yet before I even put these uh, Friday ones out. But Saratoga and Del Mar over the next few days. Very excited there. And a little bit of a recap. So in the opener, Gray Magician for me will be in a lot of exotics uh, and the horse uh Probably to win anything around seven to two, and then Golden Dragon will also be uh, I'll be uh, one I'm using in early pick fives. We move to the fifth race by American. Anything over like six to one or so feels fair. I'll use combinations of one, six, and nine in uh, in the exotics in race number five. Um, Zydeco Mama, um, I, I wouldn't completely excuse either. So keep an eye on that one. Flip into the seventh race. This is where uh, we got the optional 40 first level allowance. I like the eight jamming Eddie um, on top. I've got the eight um, on top. And then underneath, you know, question major question mark about the five Eddie Haskell, who I, I will probably be using in a lot of exotics along with the 12 bad beat Brian. Um, Bench Judge will need to improve a little bit, but he's in the mix too. So I've got eight, five, six, 12 as a... Uh, um, Exotic uses the um, along with Superman Shack, the Peter Miller horse who uh, Emily and I spoke about. So combinations of those in your uh, your late pick fours and late exotics. I will probably single Exalted on some tickets. I will use the uh, the outside runner um, also who I think has some ability. Kahuna Magic. So four and ten for me in the eighth with uh, with the Baffert horses more underneath. I do like uh, the horse who Emily mentioned a little bit too, Adair. I, I would be fine with including Adair in some exotics there in the eighth. We move to the ninth, the ocean side. Um, I have the eight flashiest as my top selection here. I'll be using the one Harbored Memories in all exotics and Crew Dragon. So those are the three I will build really everything around. Um, question marks about the two, question marks about Dream Shake. But for me, eight one three um, in the ocean side. Um, Hockey Dad was one that we mentioned too. You know, if you want to go a little deeper, I will throw Hockey Dad in on a couple of uh, of longer um, longer tickets. And, and then in the tenth race, um, the longest nights logical. Exalted Joy is logical. Um, Emily was mentioning Ox Bridge. Um, the Beat and Albizu are probably my two favorite in here. And the ones that I will probably have on all tickets. And then some combinations of the others here. So um, that is Delmar for Friday opening day. Really excited for the great racing coming up this week. And a big thank you to Emily for helping us out with Delmar. Big thank you to Chase for helping us out with Saratoga. Big thank you to Eric for helping us out with the NBA. Thank you to all the sponsors of this episode of That's What G Said Podcast. On our next episode, we'll have some Saratoga, Del Mar, and Monmouth Saturday racing. We'll have a couple different interviews, one kind of talking overall sports, one wrestling with Chad Cooper. We're going to get into the Dodgers with my uh, my friend Ben, who's a huge Dodger fan. We're going to talk all about their first half and what to look for for the Dodgers in the second half of the season. Next week, we'll get into Loki, the finale of Season 1, um, and we'll have a Black Widow recap also with Tim Kelly. We'll get into more Del Mar, Saratoga, MLB, as the train keeps a chugging here on That's What G Said podcast. Best of luck. We'll have another episode out for you in uh, in just about a day or so, getting you all prepped up for the big Saturday racing. Have a great, great few days, folks. Best of luck.